0: If you can hear my voice and you're within driving distance of Baltimore, you need to get there on Saturday, June 12th. Now, hopefully you've already picked up your tickets because the night before at Jimmy's famous seafood on the 11th, you can see Myers and Cardona do their thing. And the night after on the 13th, the good brothers are rolling into town, but on the 12th, it's the very first ever live my world with Jeff Jarrett. We've never done a live show, but Jeff has been working hard to compile some stories He doesn't think we should ever tell on the podcast and I've been working to secure and I'm happy to announce we've landed a very special mystery guest. You don't want to miss it, but let me give you a tease. Baltimore is going to love it. Of course, it's all going down at Jimmy's famous seafood. And let me just remind you, by the way, literally everyone who comes is getting the VIP treatment. You're going to be able to go through and get all your pictures, get your autographs, do a little meet and greet with Jeff and myself. But then you're going to hear some great stories that you can't hear anywhere else. And we've also got some really fun little prizes and keepsakes for you. If you picked one up, picked up one of our front row seats, we've got some swag and some merch that you can't even buy that we're going to give you that it might be the coolest thing we've ever made for adfreeshows.com As far as, uh, merchandise goes swag goes, it's really, really cool. How about this? Jeff was so excited to see it. He took some home for his family just to show off. Hey, look at this new cool merch we got. It's going to make its debut, and you're going to get the hookup. If you're at Jimmy's Famous Seafood, you'll get the best crab cakes in the world, stories you can't hear anywhere else, and swag you can't buy with a guest you don't want to miss. It's Jeff and ConradLive.com. That's where to pick up your tickets for Saturday, June 12th, in Baltimore, Maryland. That's Saturday, June 12th, Baltimore, Maryland. At the world famous Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And of course you can pick up your tickets right now at Jeff and That's Jeff and We'll see you there in Baltimore, June 12th, at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. At Jeff and Conrad You've heard it before, adfreeshows.com is early and
1: ad-free. Well, it turns out adfreeshows.com is a lot more than just that. It's incredible bonus shows, not only extra shows from your favorite podcast hosts, but interactive experiences. Picture this, you get to watch some of your favorite matches with the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. You get to ask Jim Ross anything you want, not by typing it in a chat window, no. It's video conferencing with these legends. You don't want to miss it. It all happens at adfreeshows.com every single day month. But there's also other legends that you can't hear anywhere else. Like Monday Mailbag with Jerry Briscoe. How about all the stories that guy has? Not only from being an in-ring performer, but owning a territory. Being one of Vince McMahon's right-hand guys. Come on, so much meat on the bone. And what about Mike Chioda, a Hall of Fame referee who's been with the company for decades. We're talking all the way from the Hogan era to Roman Reigns era and everything in between. You can't hear his stories anywhere else except on AdFreeShows.com. We know you love professional wrestling and perhaps the most prolific trainer of all time he's exclusive to adfreeshows.com it's dr tom pritchard you've got your favorite matches but why is it your favorite match you're going to love x-ray with dr tom every single week on adfreeshows.com and tons of other comedians and fun stuff like happy hour that's right happy hour you get to drink with medusa or rebel every single week and it keeps getting better check out the book club the archives show notes from title chase to conversations with conrad it's an unprecedented look at some of the greatest legends of adfreeshows.com so sign up today don't push it off any longer and join us now over at adfreeshows.com flap
0: Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to My World. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, Double J, Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Conrad, how you
2: doing? You know, I was uh, thinking about this uh, before we got going. What do all the other hosts call you? I, I, I heard the impersonation of Jr., but what what are the other names? Because I just you're Conrad to me. Do yeah, they call you?
0: I'm just Conrad. Conrad. That's it, man. Conrad.
2: Oh, when Jr. gets hot at you, how does he how does he say
0: it? Uh, Connie and he, he yells it. So can I get a little impersonation just off
2: the top <laughs> <laughs> this morning? I really am.
0: You know, I'm not a good JR Impressionist, but I will say when, when he gets uh, fired up at me and calls me Connie, it still, it still tickles me. Cause it's like, how can you be mad at somebody who's calling you Connie? Like once upon <laughs> a time I used to keep, uh, ice cream cones in the office, in the freezer. And I told the lady who sat up front, I said, Hey, if we ever have a pissed off customer come in and they're fussing, this guy won't call me back. Or I already sent this document before or, just regular customer service issues that you run across time to time. If somebody comes in upset, go to the freezer, bring them back an ice cream cone and I, and she said, okay. And I saw her hand it to him in the wrapper. Once I said, Nope, you unwrap it to him and you hand it to him. She's like, why is that? I said, well, it's hard to be pissed off. Licking ice cream cone.
2: As you say, you're committed that way. I mean, I'm just
0: saying at that point, you can't be like, listen, I'm here because I'm real upset and you (laughs) nobody called me back. Yes. This is actually pretty good. Hypothetically. So, and so, I mean, ice cream just makes everything better. So anyway, to this day, next time you're in the office, check the freezer. I bet there's some ice cream cones just in case somebody comes in and not having a good mood. mad at you. Damn Uh, you, Conrad. Yeah. So my thing is, I wish I could like hand in that moment, Jim Ross, a ice cream cone right through the screen. Like. Go. Hey, you will not be pissed off with an ice cream cone. It's hard to have a bad day with an ice cream cone because, <laughs> like, it's you can't even be a badass. Can you imagine like a stone cold promo in '97? He's stomping around, pissed off, eating an can ice be, cream. The
2: attitude bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can't imagine. Can't imagine. Well, listen, oh, man, man. We're, we're on the heels of uh, three shows so far. Episode one was holding up Vince. Uh, episode two was fired on national TV. Episode three was remembering Owen. And I got to tell you, man, I've been, uh, doing podcasts now for gosh, six years every week. And, uh, I'm overwhelmed with the response so far. What's the response you've been hearing? Hmm.
2: Overwhelming, but that's such a simplistic term. Um, well, one, one, uh, that, that mean you have chuckled about, Hey, uh, Jeff's a likable guy. Yeah. (laughs) I I, th- I I do think that's kind of amusing that uh, blurring the lines of man what a what a healer whatever it may be you know you called me the fast forward machine all those <laughs> nice endearing terms that i've come across over the years uh but you know the owen episode uh, i did a uh, interview uh with uh, slam wrestling bob Kapoor and as i was telling him recounting Conrad what me and you did i didn't even think It just sort of caught me off guard that I got look. I didn't. I I didn't get choked up, but but I sort of felt that wave of emotion because Bob Bob, just there's a connection, and um, that surprised me. I um, I just did not expect it. And and, you know, I texted you later on that afternoon, and I said, "I'll sleep good tonight."
0: Yeah, Uh, he said, "I need a nap." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and
2: and that was um, yeah, that that was a little bit surprising. So going on this journey. Uh, one, I'm super happy of today's topic, but uh, you know, uh, therapeutic may be too much of a stretch, but maybe maybe not on certain episodes. Maybe it will be therapeutic, but telling the holdup up story and 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 basically, you know, the preposterous idea of you know, I always joke with. Okay, was it a 45 or a 38? I held him up with, right? And you know, reliving Vince quote unquote fire me on national TV, and and that brought back all the memories of. If he's going to pick me out, is he going to shoot an angle with me? Uh, Probably not. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, all that. But then the Owen episode, Um, very emotional. Uh, But uh, as I said here today, a week later, um, I hope people listen to it and uh, feel the emotion uh, on the positive side uh, of what a wonderful human being uh, Owen is. And um, who knows? You know, Owen is forever. Uh, Owen is forever sort of what you, uh, said, uh, on that out, um, maybe that sticks. You never know.
0: I hope so. You know, it's, uh, when, when you and I finished last week, I said, man, that wasn't a podcast. That was an experience. And uh, if you haven't already, I recommend, I highly recommend you go check out episode three, remembering Owen, uh, today we're going to be doing something a little different, but before I talk about today's episode, I, I want to let you guys know what's coming up. I know that when we first announced the Jeff Jarrett podcast, a lot of people assumed, oh, they're just going to talk about Memphis or they're just going to talk about TNA or well, three episodes in really haven't talked about any of that stuff so far, uh, but we are doing a bonus episode. We're going to watch uh, Jeff Jarrett's first ever wrestling match over at adfreeshows.com against Tony Falk. Uh, and I might even make you sit through your first promo, which was interesting. Uh, (laughs) very, very painful, but I wanted to sort of preview what we've got coming up. Uh, we are going to talk about the Genesis of TNA, and I felt like starting your own promotion and how it all came to be warranted more than just one episode. So today's episode is going to be called not a boat story, sort of debunking the narrative that's been out there for a long time. And really sort of laying the the groundwork for how TNA or total nonstop action came into existence. We'll continue that journey over the next three weeks as well. Uh, June will really primarily be dedicated to TNA, but we're going to be back talking about WCW and the WWF in the month of July on July 6th, we're going to have an episode called Hulk screwed Hulk. That should get the internet talking. It's all about Bash at the Beach 2000. Victory Road 2006 will sneak in on July 13th. Uh, and then we're going to talk about walking out on Vince McMahon. Of course, the famous story from In Your House 2, that'll be coming your way on July 20th. And then we'll finish up the month of July on the 27th with the WWF debut, an episode we're calling Ain't I Great. But we've got lots of fun stuff coming in August, uh, including meeting Dixie Carter. In September, we'll talk about selling the Panda Energy. In October, we'll talk about flirting with Hulk Hogan, Bound for Glory 06, which is a story and a half. And of course, that infamous Austin 316 promo. Uh, there is a ton of really fun stuff coming down the pike. And maybe if you're old school, here's a little tease. In December, we're going to talk about Super Clash 3 and when Jeff's dad bought Dallas. So. We're going to be all over the board, but for the month of June, we are really going to double down on the Genesis of TNA, and we've got some very special stuff planned. You're going to get it early and ad-free, and there's some video that you will not want to miss over at adfreeshows.com, Coming sooner rather than later, but the narrative, the reason this episode today, Jeff, is called Not a Boat Story, is for years and years, we've heard that well, Bob Ryder, I think as the story goes, invited you down to a uh, fishing trip. And I think your dad was there and maybe uh, some other folks. And that's where TNA was first sort of hatched as an idea. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Let's first pick up where your story left off in WCW though. Episode two here on our show fired on national TV. You asked the props guy, Hey, can you ship these guitars to me? And you, you're getting your guitars and you're going home and You've got a beautiful leg calm, and now we can actually heal up from some of these nagging injuries. What is the plan? We'll call it April of 2001. What'd you do for those next several months?
2: First up, Connie, I, uh, I'll say that you just went through, uh, our calendar year of, of my world. I'm, um, I'm excited, but geez, exhausted. That's, that's a lot of ground to cover, but it's It is. Uh, it is. going to be You a- were navigating your way through. Uh, That was interesting to hear how you laid that out. Uh, Folks, some of that is brand new to me. Not all of it,
0: but definitely (laughs) some
2: of it. But no, I I see. uh, I'll say this. I see where you're going, brother. I I see where you're taking us. Um, But anyway, what was the plan? Um, Yeah. You know, I referenced that about the shipping the guitars. And, you know, there were folks in the WCW office that, uh, hey, Jeff, um, there's some – not a stack, several boxes of, of of promo picks. Do you want any of you or anybody else that kind of sort of small chit chat? I'll say for the, for the, uh, I don't know for, for March and April, uh, but basically, you know, when, when things were shutting down, um, but I can vividly remember coming home and just waking up and knowing no airline tickets, Mm. You know, n- nothing on the agenda. And I'd been going since 86 outside of, uh, and you referenced it, you know, the end of net 95, but I had a really bad back injury uh, that, you know, no surgery, but man, it was painful. I was, I weighed too much. I was too heavy. Um, and th- that was painful. So that wasn't any time off. It was also uh, essentially, you know, um, it-, it was, it- there wasn't any rest so to speak. Uh, but what I hadn't, you know, it- forward thinking uh, it was, we'll call it April, and I knew through at least October, November, but I wasn't even really thinking time frame. I said, I got a summer, and I had moved on the lake. I grew up on this lake, Conrad. I don't know if you knew that. My dad uh, had, had a house here way back uh, when I was a kid, and used to come out and visit him as a little boy. Uh, but anyhow, growing up on the lake, but then got to uh, m- move move back over here. Uh, but I'd never really spent any time cause I traveled. I mean, 99 when I bought it, that was, uh, the WWF run all through the summer. I was never home 2000 was WCW. And then here comes, uh, 2001. I was going to get to have some free time. Right. Uh, And uh, and I mentioned this right before we got started. I said you're going to might chuckle at how I'm going to start into this, but Jeremy Borash was a buddy of mine from WCW Live. We we referenced that, Uh, but JB is uh, and we'll get into that definitely in the early TNA. Well, all of TNA, uh, how how creative and how talented he was. But back then we were we were buddies. But I always admired Jeremy's skill set. We always uh, we hit it off as friends. And he was getting paid, too. So, so he was on that uh, same time frame. And we called the summer of 2001 uh, the summer of no worries, because I would call him. Hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. No worries. Uh, he lived in Atlanta at the time. So I said, drive up. I had jet skis. We hung out on the lake. We we did a lot of nothing. Um, and so I didn't really have any, quote unquote, plans. I was just going to take it easy. And I did. And I spent the better part of eight, ten at a pontoon and 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 jet skis and that's all i did uh, i worked out uh, i i got you know uh really uh, regimented i'll say on my schedule like i am today but but a, a schedule of get up go to the gym come back fix a cooler of food go out on the water come back in get more cooler uh, more food and go back out but that was really what i did for you know a couple of months my birthday's in july so Uh, that was the first birthday that, that, that I was, you know, home and i you know, had two little ones, but still it was, uh, a lot of R and R to say the least.
0: A lot of family time.
2: Yes. Without question.
0: So a few weeks ago, I uh, took my parents to the beach for their uh, 41st wedding anniversary. And while we were down there, mom started teasing dad that, uh, well, something he said for a lot of years might not be true. He had been saying for a long time, Well, my hair will turn gray, but it'll never turn loose. But mom was sort of razzing him, saying that she's been finding more and more hair in the shower. I immediately gave dad the pro tip Dude, you gotta try keeps. And by the way, I got so nervous, I got some too. Because two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. And dad was lucky. Dad was in his 60s before it happened. But I'm trying to get a jump start, baby. I don't want to let it happen to me. You see, more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Well, check this out. Keeps offers both. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months, so you don't even have to leave your home. And how about this? Low-cost treatments that start at just $10 per month, and Keeps even offers the generic versions. Discreet packaging and, of course, proven results, Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so act fast. Don't wait until it's too late. It's called Keeps for a reason. Keep the hair you've got right now, bud. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Jarrett to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's KEEPS.com slash Jarrett to get your first month free K E E P slash Jarrett. That's keeps.com forward slash Jarrett. So, uh, two, two follow-up questions. One, you mentioned, Hey, the WCW office people were saying, Hey, we got all these boxes of promos. Do you want any, did you get a box of your old WCW promos?
2: Sure did. It's the one in black jeans, uh, WCW logo. I'm sure I've still got some of those somewhere around here.
0: We got to dig those up for adfreeshows.com. Um,
2: it was the simple promo pic. And actually that photo was taking, taken, uh, October 18th, 1999. the, The day I arrived at nitro black jeans. I went out later and hit buff. Uh, but, but no, that, that photo was snapped and that's the one they used.
0: That's tremendous. What a cool story. And then secondly, you said you grew up on the lake. Your dad had a place on the lake. Is this the the house I'm thinking about that maybe had a famous previous owner?
2: And a few uh, holes in the walls. Yes. Uh, any country music fans out there remember uh, George Jones and Tammy Wynette at uh, h- h- once were married and George, um, I mean, by God, he was thirsty yeah. and he didn't want to get behind the wheel of his car. So he got behind the wheel of his uh, riding lawnmower and that is a long ride to, to get him a six-pack, but he did, but it was George Jones' house, uh, and I told you this uh, last week, uh, Conrad, yours is bigger, obviously much newer, uh, but it was on the lake, you're on a beautiful uh, uh, a bluff overlooking, but it's the floor plan, and I'll just tell the listeners this, I was uh, at Conrad's house downstairs doing cardio on the treadmill, and I just sort of had this like, oh, wow, this floor plan's so sort of like my dad's old house, oh, wow, I'm really in the room that would have been my old bedroom downstairs. It was kind of, <laughs> it was, it was kind of, it was it's kind of freaky Conrad, but no, uh, that that's the house. Yes.
0: So I, Bobby I, Bear
2: I was in store You probably don't even know who Bobby Bear is, but Bobby Bear is uh, in the fifties. He was country music. He, he was the rock star of country music in the fifties Bobby Bear and he was his neighbor. So, and it's about five minutes from where I'm at right now. You
0: continue to, impressed me as being the most interesting man in wrestling that you just casually drop. So yeah. Anyway, as a kid, I lived in George Jones house. My dad bought it. It's like, what? That's wild. Um, let's keep it moving here. Yeah, if you knew who Bobby bear was. That
2: would really pique your interest for old, old, old school country. Yeah. I mean, he was a big mega star in the fifties.
0: You, you talked about being regimented, you know, with your schedule, uh, what are you doing or what are you thinking is your next step? You sort of teased on an earlier episode. Well, it was around that time I got my contractor's license. You actually did that in 95 though, right? after the- yeah,
2: I did that at the end of 95, correct. So that was uh, inaccurate, but, but yeah, because I had those two breaks. But
0: during this time, I can remember
2: talking to, you know, not anybody in specific. It was like, what's going on here? And I really had no interest because I was just sort of chilling and uh, JB would keep me up to speed and there were you know, different things on the horizon that you heard of different things. But at the end of the day, you know, like I am today, I'm a huge uh, television watcher. Uh, I watched raw, um, you know, uh, was always dialed into it. But um, and, you know, checked in on nothing like the Internet is today. But, you know, the the slow modems and all that kind of stuff. They were a little faster, in in One. but but uh, I, I wasn't really. Um, that's the first time during that break that I saw actually Jackie Crockett, Jackie Crockett is a little wrestling trivia. He sent me a thing, I think maybe from David that it was a streaming, not wrestling, but it was a streaming kind of, and I'm like, wow, that that's cool. But anyway, um, not a lot of specific wrestling planning. I'll say that chatter. Yes. Planning. No.
0: So did you sort of, you mentioned I was watching raw Were you watching raw because you were just a big wrestling fan? I mean, obviously you are a wrestling fan, or are you watching raw because you still somewhere in the back of your mind thought, well, I mean, I obviously wind up with a WWF run.
2: I look to this day, raw smackdown, NXT, NXT, UK, AEW impact. Triple a. I love, uh, CML. I, you know, I'm a junkie and, and I watch. Clips on Instagram. I watch YouTube clips. I you should see who I subscribe to on my YouTube. You know, it's all kinds of different things. I may not sit through it all, but I get a little bit of all. So I, I watched it first and foremost as a fan, but also like I, I think I referenced this. I don't know if this was actually on the podcast, but and and, and I tell you what, this podcast has give me an even more appreciation of growing up in the business yeah. and knowing. That ship is completely full. It's the worst time to come in. I mean the absolute worst time to come in when you when you're loaded because not only does everything sort of blend together, uh, but the guys that are already there that, that are entrenched, they're more on guard. and, and, and really Vince and, and the creative team, their job is, is uh, super difficult it, 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 you know, with loads of talent, still some guys sitting on the sideline. Uh, so I, I knew for all, all the reasons above, it wasn't in my future, so to speak immediate future. I'll say that.
0: I can't speak to the fact that you're a wrestling junkie. You were, uh, uh, uh here in Huntsville last week and it's Wednesday. We're hanging out in the den, just catching up me, you and Cassio and about six fifty nine, 59, I lost track of time. You said, damn son, are we not going to watch AEW? turn the TV on? <laughs> Cause we had just been catching up and you're like, are we not going to watch? And it was like, okay, here we go. Uh, So let's, let's talk about, you know, as you're sort of weighing your options and seeing what's out there, you know, I hate to just brass tax it, but you're comfortable talking about money. You eventually realize, Hey, these checks are going to stop coming and, you know, being a dad and two little ones and a big old house on the lake. I got to have some income coming in. What did you think would be your next move or were you just legitimately not worried about it and knew God had a plan and thought something will present itself,
2: you know, that you'd have to talk consciously and subconsciously consciously, I knew that look, there, there wasn't we'll quote unquote, uh, WWE money or WWF money in, in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico and Dutch was down there, Japan. Um, you know, I, I knew there were options, but also knew that, you you know, somehow, some way I've made a living in this industry, something I'll fit, you know, I didn't have that conscious thought of, Oh, I'm going to go start a promotion. Not certainly. And I'm trying to keep it chronological, not at this time. Um, also my faith though, you know, it's going to work out somehow, some way, uh, like you just said earlier, I went out and got my contractor's license, um, into 95, my dad, Uh, through his, uh, career, he has been able to pivot, uh, in, in a lot of ways, like none other, that's really where
0: I was going is I just assume since it's, it's not like, okay, well, if this don't work out, I got no backup plan. You've rattled off. Your dad's had a hundred different businesses. So worst case scenario, you can go talk to dad and say, Hey dad, which one of these is hitting and where can I be a player? Right.
2: And and he sort of encouraged me. He did a deal with BP All of a re-imaging gas stations that was really uh, an oversight job that show up, make sure the workers are there. It's a turn and go. Uh, you know, it was high turnover, hundred stations, 150 uh, gas stations. So we'll just say the construction business, obviously he owned a lot of land putting in road, water and sewer, which I knew nothing about, but I was never afraid. Now, you know, I'm going to go back to my dad and my grandmother, roll up your sleeves and learn the damn business. You know, it's on you. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really have like, Oh boy, what am I going to do? And and I had uh, been pretty, you know, uh, I bought this house at the right time, yeah. You know, so I, I didn't have my quote unquote monthly uh, expense w- was not overwhelming. I've never been a car guy. I've just not. I'm a house guy. Yeah, <laughs> never been a car guy. So from a financial perspective, it, it I wasn't thinking I need to get paid. Did not we cover this on episode one? A little my, bit my money. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: Well, I, um, I can speak to, you know, obviously I'm in real estate and I mean, I, I don't want to share numbers or anything, but from when you bought it to now, your house is probably worth what? Five, six times what you paid for it. Five. Yeah. So you did good, Jeff. You did good. Lucky, uh, lucky grace. Lucky. There you go. So when do you think your, Time uh, Tom Warner contract was set to expire? Just sort of fill in the gaps. We know the last nitro is March, 26, 2001. When do we think, okay, the gravy train ends here.
2: So my contract, you know, I, and we we'll, you touched on earlier, I went to the WWF in October of 93 yes. and that from, from the next eight years, October was always my October 17 ish Yeah, date was the rollover time. So I know it could not have been before that. I, I want to say, because I negotiated with Bill Bush, we were the dot and I's, crossing the T's. I had that, we'll call it addendum. I got paid per house show. Um, I uh, got in you know, my travel, and that was uh, somewhat of an add-on as well. And Bill Bush was getting his feet wet in, in the whole process. Um, I tried to jog my memory uh, on this episode, because I knew we were talking about the summer. Diana Myers, it came to me about two hours ago. That was the attorney uh see so anyway I want to say Novemberish it kind of it could have gone into early December, but it was a it was you know a uh, mailbox money every two weeks so Novemberish was when it was gonna you know quote unquote the checks quit coming
0: so you had about eight months to sort of get a plan together and figure it out and and you mentioned a minute ago Diana Meyer, she was your contact with Time Warner if you had a question or something like that you
2: know There wasn't a lot of quote-unquote questions. It was the merch that they sent me, the guitars. Um, That was about it. You know, as far as reading the contract, my attorney basically said, look, you're going to get paid. They they can't provide you with work. There is no breach language in here. Go do what you want to do. I I think I had a couple of uh, 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 conversations with Carlos uh, Colon, uh, who ran Puerto Rico, Um, but there wasn't anything specifically that I needed to reach out to Diana. But if I, if I'm not recalling something that would have definitely been, we always got along well, um, you know, she, she understood quote unquote, the wrestling world, uh, better than most, uh, and she was great to work with. So if I did have a question, it would have been to her.
0: Now you said something there I want to follow back up on. There was no language in your contract about breaching it. I guess no, what I'm asking is
2: no, when I say, yeah, that mean like, if I went to work, they're not paying me. They're not, the, there was no like, Hey, you can't go work over here because yeah. there, there's no really infrastructure for you to be going to work. It says you're getting paid out
0: Period. Okay. So i um, I guess my question is if you wanted to scoot down to Puerto Rico and do a shot, you could.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: But now during that time, you just decided, Hey, let's let, Absence make the heart grow fonder. Let's spend some time with the family. Let's enjoy the lake. Let's just chill out for a bit, right?
2: Yes, without question. And I, I, I'm, you know, I don't recall a specific conversation, but I'm sure I bounced things off my dad in a three minute conversation. In that, hey, you know, just knowing the industry, it was the timing wasn't right to jump on board. The, the, although I always, I learned real quick, this, this little wrestling note, when I went from the WWF to WCW, the first time I noticed real quick, the style of work. I'm not talking about working toward hard camera. I'm talking about the, the laying out. Uh, Sean taught me that in a lot of ways. Owen taught me that in a lot of ways. Uh, the agents, Jack Lanza, chief Jay Strongbow, uh, different different folks, you know, obviously Pat's at the top of the list. He he would really get specifically, but I noticed the difference in that. And so that was one of the things that I was like, okay, how are the WCW talent going to get acclimated mm. to the flow? It's different. That uh, may be getting too deep into the no, woods here. No,
0: you're not. Jericho wrote about it in his book and said that, you know, he had been wrestling wow. for a long time when he got to the WWF, and he realized very quickly, I don't know shit. In terms oh, wow. of, I, I don't okay. know their style. And so guys were saying, oh, he's the shits and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, he had been heralded in all the newsletters and all these other promotions, he'd wrestled in Mexico and Japan and WCW and ECW. And the WWF was like, I think he made an analogy and I might be misquoting here, but it was almost like if you're right-handed, it was like writing with your left hand, you know what to do. It's just really hard to like, wait a minute, I've always done it this way. And so you sort I'll of had say. to get reacclimated.
2: Very well said. And you know, when I look back on it and sort of just getting the vibe of it, and look, Vince McMahon has no peers, the, in my opinion, the greatest promoter, but he didn't teach that style, in right. my opinion, Pat Patterson. Correct. So, so when you think about the influence Pat has had on the industry, I don't think you can overstate it. Yeah. I just don't think you can.
0: So one of the things you're going to learn real quick listening to My World with Jeff Jarrett is that Jeff is more than quote unquote, just one of the boys. Jeff is also a promoter's kid. So Jeff is very business minded. We're going to be talking about money a lot here on the show. But let's talk about money right now. How many subscription services are you paying for each month? Even though subscriptions add up and sometimes we don't notice those little monthly deductions from our bank accounts. Did you sign up for a bunch of subscription services during quarantine? I know I did. I think I, think I signed up for all of them. But now that we're headed back into the real world, do you really need, or does your family really need or use all those apps and streaming video services? Probably not. 80% of people have subscriptions that they don't even know about. They literally signed up and they forgot about it. Are you one of them? What are you doing to save money and take control of your finances? How do you track all of your bill payments and budgets? Are you still using clunky Excel spreadsheets? Is your desk covered with scattered post-it notes? Here's the pro tip. Truebill is the smartest way to manage your finances. They have an easy to use app. You can review your recurring charges all in one place, and you can even cancel subscriptions directly through the app. They have a variety of tools to help customers improve their finances. You can create a monthly budget and expenses. You can track and evaluate savings goals. You can automate savings, so you choose how much you put away weekly. You can even get push notifications when you're getting close to going over your budget or when your cash is running low. And you can even better than all that, easily identify fraudulent activity. And you wanna know about that right away. They offer multiple ways to save you on your bills. That's just the true bill way, man. Oh, and check this out. Work with many of the nation's top providers to negotiate and lower your bills. You're going to enjoy bank-level security. You're going to feel good about your finances. And people tend to think they spend like $80 a month on subscriptions, but in actuality, it's close to like $200 a month. Truebill has saved its users more than $50 million. They've got over 1 million users. Go read their rave reviews right now for yourself at Truebill.com. Check this out. The average person saves $720 per year with True Bill. Get started today at Truebill.com slash Jeff. Take control of your finances and start saving at Truebill.com slash Jeff. That's Truebill.com slash Jeff. So talk to me a little bit about, and I realize we're, we're getting super granular here, but I think all of this stuff is fascinating. You know, when you're, um, You got this downtime and I know this is a weird question, but I've had these conversations with Rick where, Hey, I was on the road for 30 years. And then when I, you know, got sent home after WCW and and I was home, Beth and I couldn't live together anymore. (laughs) You know, it was, they still loved each other. They still wanted to be married, still wanted to be a family, but their family unit had grown accustomed to he dad's gone. Mom's running the house. And now dad comes back in. And he's like, no, 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 we're not doing it that way, even though it had been happening that way for years. And he just wasn't there to know their family dynamic grew accustomed to him being on the road and her taking care of the house. And it worked now, all of a sudden he's there and he doesn't want to be not there. So he tries to be active and present and it really created some problems. Now your kids are much younger than his were at that moment. But was that an issue going from being a road warrior for lack of a better term and being on the road all the time to now I'm home and Jill just looks at you and it's like, what are you, who are you, where are you here? What are you doing? Does that exist? <laughs> not really. No, Jocelyn was uh,
2: five and Jacqueline was born in November of 2000. So, I mean, you know, she's not even a year. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that that takes up a lot of mommy daughter time, an enormous amount. So me and Jocelyn, you know that. But no, the, your, the broad stroke you're painting, the, there was never any of that. Um, again, um, just she did her thing, I did my thing. And when I say that, you know, she she worked out and trained and all that. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah, It's the kids and 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 all your mommy time and all that. But there was never any of like, what are you doing here?
0: Who? What's your name? <laughs> Well, let, let me ask you, cause you know, there's two sides of this, not just, Hey, you're, you're sort of upsetting the household dynamic, but you know, a lot of times guys have said, Oh, I kept my wife away from the business, you know, blah, blah, blah. But some of the guys like Rick rude, I think is on record saying, don't let your wife around the business for a variety of reasons. But one of the big ones is She'll know we're not really working. We're having a good time with our buddies and it doesn't feel like this stressful thing, don't get me wrong. The travel sucks and blah, 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 but you had been a part of this fraternity of wrestling for 15 years. At this point, you had been, you know, developing a camaraderie with this group of guys and you're making towns and you're meeting at the hotel bar and you're riding down the road and drinking a few beers, which obviously we shouldn't be doing, but Hey, things happened back in the day and now. No, we're changing diapers and getting on the jet skis. Do you miss any of that? A lot of people listening to this feel guilty, you know, like I'm at home, but I feel like I should be at work or I'm at work and I feel like I should be home and now here you are really with no option and you've got to be missing some of that fraternity and camaraderie, right? I I can't,
2: I I, I really, I don't think I ever recalled, man, I, I miss, I miss hanging out at shows. It, for for the for the camaraderie, now the career, yes, you know. As we get into the late summer, the the itch on next steps, I think, would be a natural progression, but not really the camaraderie. And I kind of think again that growing up, and you know, the first wrestling show I went to, uh, you know, well, obviously with my dad, and he made me sit in the audience, which I was like seven, five, whatever it was. Uh, Nick Gulas TV. But but you know that that as far as so I rode with my grandmother, then I pulled the ring, and then referee, then I started wrestling. So, the fraternity uh, has always, yes, uh, b- b- the boys, all, all that. But but I, I don't really think to specifically answer your question. I don't I don't ever recall saying, man, I really missed the camaraderie.
0: Well, here's uh, what I mean. Like when you're out there on the on the pontoon boat, do you pick up the cell phone and call Brian James and say, hey man, come spend the weekend? Cause you just miss your buddy, right?
2: Well, and that was, I'm just trying to think who else was around, but you know, JB would come up, um, and I've got, I'll call it my gym buddies. There's a group of us that over the years that we've stayed, you know, and we've bounced from gym to gym, but you know, so always stayed in contact with them, but no, it was the lake and chilling and, uh, grilling steaks and and that kind of stuff. There was not, you know, family time and I'm saying extended family time as well. Uh, my dad, all that kind of stuff. Jason, my little brother.
0: Well, let's talk about the name that is going to become a theme for this show. And he's probably sort of the, uh, unsung hero of the idea of TNA. Uh, it's Andrew McManus. And the first time I think I remember seeing his name mentioned in regard to professional wrestling was him putting together a tour With Dennis Rodman and Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake. It was the main attraction, a 19,000 seat arena in Sydney, Australia. Did you hear about this at the time? Wait a minute. What are they doing in Australia? And I guess to add context to this, um, Australia has been a a strong wrestling territory territory for a long time, back to Barnett, back to Dundee, somebody that was very familiar with Memphis. So it's not like it's strange that it's happening in Australia. But is it, it is at least interesting that it's beefcake and Rodman in 2000, right?
2: The first person that told me about that, do you have any idea who told me about it? I don't. Been through so. Okay. I'd never had, had, had heard any real thing about it, but when I sort of heard the card, uh, first we'll address, uh, Australia, you know, Australia went dark for a lot of years And I didn't, I wasn't really aware of that till we went down there with WCW. And then going back down there and seeing it was, it was, the product was hot. WCW is hot. And, and, and just thinking, wow, this used to be a territory and and learning the different. Now, years ago, Bill Dundee, Hmm. um, actually from Scotland, uh, but, but, you know, came to the States via Australia, George Barnes. So I'd always heard of down under, but the territory and how, in a lot of ways, red hot, you know, it's the original WCW, uh, for you historians out there. Um, you know, but, but, so it was red hot and then it died off and no money and it's a long way over there. And there's just nothing going on. Then WCW went back there. And then when I heard Australia, I'm like, wow. So, so that's a market that, that's interesting. But then I'll say, look, I was in WCW, uh, when, when Rodman and, and and all that came through, but, he he was he was definitely garnish. You know what I mean? He yeah. he, he wasn't the stake. Hawk and Scott and Kevin and all that, but what an attraction it was. Sure. And I did that with all I mean huge, but I just was like, he's your main event. I I, I didn't get that. I, I didn't and and then I, you know, in, in the same conversation Russo was talking about, it was a financial disaster in, yeah. in no Certain terms.
0: Well, we're going to talk about the tour, but I do want to mention because this is one of those wrestling things, right? Jeff, where you hear, oh, there's this wealthy businessman who wants to start a promotion and we hear it all the time and hell people heard it a few years ago about Tony Khan and thought, ah, it's another, it's another boat tale. You know, it's another bullshit story. And it turns out, wow, AEW is really a thing, but people had a reason to believe that McManus could pull this off. He had handled tours for Fleetwood Mac, ZZ top kiss, Lenny Kravitz, so when you hear all of that, you think, well, now maybe this is different. And this tour in particular had the road warriors, barbarian, Paul Orndorff, earthquake, typhoon, Tatanka, Greg Valentine, one man, gang, maestro and public enemy. So a lot of these guys, you had shared locker rooms, I guess, probably all of them over the years. Uh, but as you mentioned, the tour goes horribly. It's canceled midway through and, uh, it's a financial disaster. So I guess the question is. How did you first hear, I mean, how did you first become introduced to him? You had heard that, Hey, this thing died. It was terrible, but now somehow you guys are connected. How do you get hooked up with Andrew? So,
2: and, and again, trying to jog my memory on this and all the debt, uh, all the dots started back to connect. So Russo had contacted JB Jeremy Borash. Uh, about all this that's sort of how the original connection but i can remember hearing how does rodman fit in with with this cast of characters and there was a it was i'll say it was heavily weighted ex-wwf stars and wcw was the hot product uh to my understanding down there at that time but i looked up mcmanus uh i had some uh, folks here locally that immediately Said yeah, he's the. I mean, like he's really the real deal, and he's highly connected around the world. He's a a, a broker, uh, not just a promoter, but a concert broker. He he's dialed into that industry in a big way. Not just our, our Australia, uh, UK, um, you know, Asia, just really around the world. He 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 knows that scene. But uh, Vince's story to me was, and and I truly believe it. Uh, in in every shape form or fashion was he just doesn't know the wrestling industry like at all um and sort of figure that out in, on two or one uh and then are you interested was jeremy's question to me and I'm like yeah and and me and vince might have had a couple of conversations around that but I just remember vince either couldn't do it or didn't want to do it i'm I'm not exactly sh- sure what the the deal was um but Jeremy asked me and I'm like yeah I'm up for it. And especially after I had done the the quick due diligence to my my music contacts that yes, he's well-funded, um, and he's a big boy in the promoter world. Um, and so, and I knew that there was a enormous amount of talent out there.
0: Uh, Two things here. What was your relationship like here with Vince Russo? We'll we'll call it 2001.
2: Good. I, I mean, Look, every relationship has its ups and downs. So I don't want to say uh, at this point we were real high or real low. I think it was just a, a good relationship. Um, he, you know, the the quote unquote the WCW uh, situation was game set match. Um, he was still intertwined in that Bash at the Beach situation, uh, but but and so that was uh, I think the extent of it.
0: And you mentioned a minute ago, you, you sort of vetted McManus with some of your music contacts. Tell me about what that, what that means.
2: Just, uh, Hey, do you know a guy named Andrew McManus? Who's a music promoter? Uh, give me a day and call me back. Okay. Call you back. Yes. He's done this, 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 and Doc McGee is kisses, uh, manager slash everything. Uh, but, but there, you know, a couple of different names, um, in, in Nashville, all checked out, like. He is a music promoter who uh, is, is successful, and you can be a regional promoter uh, in music. Uh, it's it's it, even to this day. You know, my next door neighbor is is uh, is a one of the head honchos in UTA. But the music industry can be broken down a couple of different ways. But as far as touring, you know, there's bar shows, there's shed shows, amphitheaters, there's arena, there's all different forms. But you know, there are guys that promote globally. And Andrew was one of them. Um, like I said, he had contacts around the world. Oh, he had done shows around the world. I came out, I came to find out later on firsthand that he's dialed in, um, just about everywhere that, that big shows were played.
0: Oh, Hey, real quick. I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. with Conrad.com. I worked with Derek and he quickly answered any questions I had. Being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But you do need 10 minutes at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states. And you even get to skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. So once you sort of vet him, you have a conversation with him. What's that sound like?
2: So Jeremy uh, sort of nailed down on you up for it. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I kind of think from what I'm hearing, and I didn't talk to him any of those guys, uh, matter of fact, when I heard that list, you used to say back, I just don't, wow, that that's a lot of talent. Yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, that was a big, big roster, but I didn't have any conversations to my recollection with any of them. Uh, but, but knowing that it had fallen apart, I was look, I, I knew going in Andrew, where are we at? And he, you know, Jeremy said, are you interested in talking? I said, sure. So we talked, and I said, yeah, let's go for it. And when Andrew had his first conversation is, Um, I, I need somebody who not only as a talent, but that can put things together and I said, I'm up for
0: it. So, um, what was, what was JB's role going to be? I mean, I know he did a lot of things behind the scenes with WCW, but when he's talking to you about McManus, is he saying, well, here's what I'm going to be doing. Do you know that?
2: No, I I, I kind of think it sort of came together that so you know we're we're talking twenty years ago so JB would have been in his late twenties maybe and right. I'm early thirties, <laughs> I mean you know it's, it's so young and um, you know Jeremy at that point is talented as he is and was he was coming from essentially WCW Live and so his rapport with talent has always been great but he, I think he was a probably a given that. I'll take the lead and we're going to do this together, but I don't want to call him my right-hand man, but in essence, that's what he became at that point. Right. That, okay, let's do this. Um, Disco Inferno, Glenn, uh, who I'd known since the Memphis days, he was going to be involved. And, um, and it, you know, it was like, okay, how are we going to put this together? And, you know, we'll get to that. But, you know, uh, Andrew is like, okay, I just had a horrible situation. What's your suggestions? <laughs> And that's sort of how it started.
0: Talk to me about, uh, Terry Taylor, because there's a report here from the observer. Andrew McManus, who promoted the Rodman tour of Australia last year is working on a deal with Vince Russo and Terry Taylor to promote a tour in October of Australia, New Zealand, and Asia, which would include a pay-per-view company or pay-per-view taping. Andrew McManus is not known in the wrestling business, but is more known for the music industry. He had tours with the who Huey Lewis and the news, Whitney Houston, etc. So Terry Taylor makes the report here and Vince Russo, but you sort of thought Vince Russo was passing. Was he originally in and then eventually got cold feet? Do you think?
2: I know. I mean, my recollection is Vince either could not do it contractually or did not want to do it. I said, his. Vince doesn't like to fly what? he doesn't like to travel. So, so I mean, it's not like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, my recollection is he don't want to fly to Australia period and was. You're still getting paid and maybe that wasn't his cup of tea. He has always said, I'm a TV writer. Right. There was, was not a TV show by any stretch of the imagination.
0: So what's, uh, what's your thinking of, uh, Terry Taylor. Do you remember what Terry Taylor was supposed to be doing here in theory? Oh,
2: I, I, I my recollection, Terry wasn't really ever in, I'll call it the Jeff Andrew McManus equation. Not because Andrew brought him up or I didn't want to bring him up or JB brought him up or any of that. He just wasn't a part of the equation.
0: So boy, I'm fascinated by the, what you said, the, the, the Andrew Jeff thing. Is that the way it was positioned? Hey, this guy knows how to promote this, this continent, you know, this country, these, these regions, uh, he's yep. got ends, but he doesn't know the wrestling business. So it was positioned from the jump that you'll sort of be his wrestling person. Yes. Okay.
2: Without question. And, and you know, uh, again, he, he took a bath and, and a, a bad one. And so, you know, as I'm sitting here saying, you know, Terry was not not an in-ring performer at this point either. So being able to be wear multiple hats, uh, again, cu- coming off the financial uh, situation, um, you know, Jeremy can promote. He can be a right hand man. He can be a ring announcer. He can be a commentator. You know, wear multiple hats, which you'll see will play out over the next month. Uh, is very valuable.
0: So around this time, just to add context, a lot of uh promotions are popping up. Main event championship wrestling by John Collins of Evansville runs a uh, uh an ECW arena show that literally falls apart. <laughs> uh I mean unbelievable. Um are you nervous that man all around me guys are starting to try their own thing and it's not working out. Or did just the old nod from your music buddies make you feel confident that, hey, if I can keep the guys in line, so to speak, and I can handle that end, and I'm confident my abilities to do that since I grew up in the business will be fine?
2: Andrew laid out to me his, I'll call it sort of a short term vision, because I asked him, like, okay, what is sort of the mindset? And he was like, look, Jeff, he said, this is an Australian tour in New Zealand. Okay. If we come back here in six months, it's not going to be old. It'll it'll still be somewhat fresh. We've probably got two runs in the UK, you know, twice a year. Uh, we probably have, a, we'll call it a European run, maybe twice a year. I remember him because my 94 run uh, in Germany. Me and Kevin Nash used to joke. We saw each other more on a bus than we did our families. Anybody up I me mean, there because we were over there six or seven times in one year. Uh, for 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 Vince. but anyway, so Andrew sort of laid out this quasi global touring schedule. Um, and he had concert promoters in Kuala Lumpur, I mean, just really a global touring. Um, and I'm like, Do you believe? And he goes, we- We've got to sort of get our uh, footing all this, mm-hmm. but yes, and and we can, you know, he said. I don't really know the television industry, but I'm like, yeah, we can capture content without question. I don't know what that's going to look like, but we can for sure capture some content. And so that sort of jumping off point was, okay, here's Australia. And I think it was October. Uh, We're going to go to the UK in December. We're going to circle back. And he had some, some big, big plans. um, But he just sort of wanted to find his way through it all. But that was like, I, I never envisioned. Okay, this is my ten-year plan. Look, I'm thirty, early thirties. I didn't even think about a five-year plan, but it was like, okay, let's see where this goes. Um, because he not not only his personal money, he also had again the broker, the the connections around the world, where it wasn't all his money either, um, which uh, fascinated me. That okay, there's plenty of talent out there. These promoters. Um, you know, this is a American form of entertainment, so to speak. Um, let's see where this takes us.
0: So I guess we should address, you know, sort of the way the business has changed. I mean, these days it's all about television rights, but, but back in the day, you know, this was, this was a very much a live event business. I mean, what you grew up in and even the Vince McMahon model, maybe not so much WCW, especially towards the end was, Hey, let's give them you know, uh, an infomercial for the live event on TV, but we're trying to sell tickets and now we're just going to, I assume run commercials inside of existing wrestling content. So as Monday night raw or whatever they called it over there airs, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and, and slide a commercial in saying, Hey, all these great stars are going to be here. Come on out and see us. Is that sort of the concept? And,
2: and not just, I don't want to say it, it wasn't predicated on advertising within WWE content. It was, look, we, we are going to get savvy with media, radio, and, and that kind of stuff, do the local breakfast show and the midday show and it, whatever it may be, but attack the media like he does his music acts. And, you know, he said, you've got a lot of folks that quote unquote are household names, uh, that, 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 and you know, he's like, you only need a few, uh, was his mindset. He, he, he did tell me, look, I sort of learned from that, you know, he, he did, he had such a top loaded card, but, but anyway, he, um, wanted to promote it in essence, like he does his music tours, um, and, and until he got his footing, but he felt very confident in that in the marketing and, um, he, you know, the, the, we'll call it the, 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 the the normal, I don't even know if that's the appropriate word, but his concerts and, and, and acts that he would book, they didn't have, not all of them had quote unquote, current radio play. It was come see so-and-so band come out and play their hits. Why is that that mindset?
0: I, I know I'm, I'm probably, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to understand when a guy goes out, And loses his ass. And it's a disaster with beefcake and Rodman is his explanation to you. Well, the reason it didn't work is because I just didn't know the space like you do. So I need you to come in. You know, I know how to promote. Don't judge me based on this most recent failure. I know what I'm doing. I just don't know the wrestling business like you do. And I need your help. Is that sort of the the gist of the way he presented it to you? Because me looking from the outside in, I'm like, well, if this didn't work before, why would it work now all these great marketing ideas he's got they didn't work before so i
2: asked him what his how do you put butts in seats how how do you plan to do that and he just said look it was a shotgun effect before i i you know i and and he i think sort of and i again i wasn't there but i heard from a infrastructure the tour was a a disaster yeah. of, 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 talent working together. It was very dysfunctional. He, he wasn't real happy with that. Um, and I just said, uh, you, you got to get lean and me and, and figure out, cause they did sell to my, I mean, what I recall was they sold some tickets. They didn't sell yeah. out, but
0: yeah. they sold some tickets. people were there. People showed up, but yeah, yeah. N- not, not to the level he had expected. And so, you know, maybe the uh, you know, here's the thing I'm sort of tiptoeing around because gosh, oh. I don't want to be negative, but nope. <laughs> well, you know, listen, a lot of people throw this word around and they don't really understand it, but it is an industry term. Did you or Russo or anybody you talked to perceive, uh, Mr. McManus to be what's known as a money. mark?
2: I, I certainly never did just because of his, uh, resume ped- pedigree in the music industry, Yeah. you know, did he know wrestling? No, nah, not at all. I mean, he just didn't. But he had no problem admitting that. I mean, like from the very first conversation. Now, I didn't have any context of what were his conversations with Barber or Rodman or any of the other guys. I had no idea. But maybe he certainly learned his lesson. But no, he he was never he never had that that quote unquote money mark
0: vibe. And, and let's just sidebar for a minute, because I feel like a lot of people use that word. They don't understand. And, and I'm coming to defense of my old pal here, but the term money, Mark, the way I understand it is someone who wants to run shows, even if they're at a loss, just because he likes being around the business, he's a big fan. And so some guys will go sit down at a blackjack table and, you know, lose 10 grand, but Hey, they had fun. So who cares? And other guys would run a live event you know, a, a pop-up show, a spot show, if you will, an outlaw show, and they might lose 10 grand, but who cares? They had fun. And sometimes people throw that around for Tony Khan. aWs is profitable. So by definition, that is not accurate. Uh, but, but I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but McManus based on his pedigree, uh, he's handled touring acts on a big basis. You don't just go, Hey, we're going to handle this Whitney Houston tour or this kiss tour, unless you know what the hell you're doing. Right.
2: Yeah. And look, my, my grandmother didn't teach me this. My father did a money mark. Somebody who the bottom line in, in the priority. Yeah. Just, there's a real dividing line there. Mm-hmm. If, if you're, if, if you truly want your number one priority to do, to be in black ink, as opposed to red, it sort of throws everything out the window. Andrew desperately wanted black ink and that's how he, had his mindset on, you know, and and we're talking the shows and the amount of money we were spending in wrestling, even though even that first tour compared to what he spent on stadium shows and big arena, it it was peanuts, like real peanuts for him.
0: So let's come to terms on uh, your terms with McManus when you're obviously you're going to appear on the cards. Obviously you're going to put dudes in figure fours and hit them over the head with guitars and all that, but you're also going to be sort of his, for lack of a better word, his right-hand man in all this, you have to come up with some sort of way to compensate yourself for that. And this is really probably the first time that you've been in this spot. I mean, when you were negotiating with Ted Turner's organization or Vince McMahon's, you were talking about, they're going to pay you as an on-screen performer to go make towns. Now you're getting into, I don't know, the quote unquote office money. What was that process of negotiations or discussions like with Andrew,
2: I made it real simple because it, it, you know, we were literally negotiating out of the gate, the Australia and the UK tour. That's it. Right. And just look. And I just said, look, my day rate is this God. I wish I could, I, I'd love to dig those. But, but it was, mm, I should have done that homework, but you know, I had a day rate and I said, let's just bump it up a hundred bucks or two hundred. Not a lot across the tour, and that will get me, you know, uh, all the legwork leading up to the tour, t- contacting the talent. And Jeremy did a lot of that. He Andrew w- was always the final guy to do the, well, quote unquote, final hire, do the money, do everything. We tabled talent, discussed it, tossed it Andrew's way. He tossed it back. Well, at the end of the day, Andrew did all the quote unquote hiring and firing, but not really firing because he didn't have any to do, but, uh, I just negotiated into my day rate, uh, a, a couple of bucks to get us to the tour to do the legwork.
0: All right. Time out. You know, we love our sponsors here on the show and we'd like to welcome a new one, Adam and Eve, check this out free stuff. How do you beat free stuff? Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. You can select almost any item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve will load you up on the free stuff. All you've got to do is enter Jeff at checkout, and you'll get 10, that's right, 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item they tell us you'll both enjoy, Plus 6 Free spicy movies. Well, let's check this out. Six movies, something for him, something for her, a third item you're both going to like, and up to 50% off almost any item. How do you beat this? What about free shipping? That's right, you heard me. All these free prizes, and it's all because you selected almost any one item for 50% off at adamandeve.com. Hurry to adamandeve.com and enter Jeff. That's J E F F almost said double f that's j-e-f-f the offer code is jeff you enter that promo code at adamandeve.com at checkout and boom you're hooked up so get all these free gifts and 50 percent off on almost any one item over at adamandeve.com that's adamandeve.com and at checkout use promo code je you know what to do come on adamandeve.com So it doesn't go swimmingly. Well, here's the line from the observer. Several of the names from the WWAS tour of Australia that start this week were canceled at the last minute. Apparently it was a cost cutting measure as airline tickets were much higher than anticipated due to the original airline going out of business. Several wrestlers were pulled from the tour also because some sort of problems existed, boy, that's about as vague of a report as we'll ever read in the observer, but. I guess you guys have airline tickets, you know, figured in, obviously that's part of your overhead and anytime there's international travel that can get costly in a hurry. And now if the airline really did go out of business, which I guess makes sense at the last minute, boy, that airline price really skyrockets because now it's a last minute fare uh, versus, you know, you booking it, you know, two or six months ahead or whatever. Tell me about this airline snafu and then can you sort of shed any light on, some sort of problems existed. What does that mean?
2: What was kind of ironic, but not really ironic. Some of the names, and I can remember, and even Jeremy wasn't really in the know, because Jeremy had a, maybe, I, and I don't, I'm just throwing a, a approximate, maybe a month relationship between him and Andrew prior to him introducing him to me, but Jeremy hadn't even heard of these names that quote unquote were canceled. And I'm like, where Wait, I didn't even know they were booked. They were never a part of me and Andrew's discussion. Uh, uh, any of that. I do know that Andrew came to me. One of the first conversations, he said, "You know, Australian airfare is really expensive." And I said, "Yep, buy it now." I mean, get get let's get in. He goes, "Well, it's not so much that. There's a there's always a price war, and sometimes you got to buy them right and buy all this travel stuff uh, that I come to later." be taught by Bob Ryder, like the real ins and outs of, of I mean, it's one thing to Y fair and M fair and Q fair and back all that up, but buying them right, buying them in bulk, buying them direct all the different. And nowadays, none of that mindset exists uh, at all, but it was 20 years ago. We're talking about on, on how to buy airline tickets. But I, I remember Jeremy saying, okay, this guy got cut and we didn't even know about it. Uh, but the, the thing that early in the relationship, I was very aware that, hey, JB, we're not, we're, we're really not completely in lockstep and, and rightly so. It's his business. We're not exactly sure of some of the conversations going on that, that we're just not in the know. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know how we're going to deal with this, but we can only submit him because Jeremy is the one who would type up the formats and the cards and then we would try to get a budget and and like, Andrew, does this suit you? You know, it budget wise, because I was very uh, bullish on run, lean, and mean, run, lean, and mean, this is going to be a learning curve, run, lean, and mean.
0: Were you also factoring in production costs like his, or, or was no, he, he handling budget, all that?
2: Right. No, he did. He, all, all, it, he was, it was just talent and travel, you know? And, and I wasn't booking the tickets. His guy, oh, gosh, what was her name? He, he had a right-hand woman uh, who did a little bit of everything. PR, oh, gosh, Jeremy would know her name. But anyway, uh, all our job was was really to, quote, unquote, book the matches, and he wanted lots of action and lots of different things going on. But, but we didn't book travel. We would submit it to his team, and they'd come back and go, ooh, it's going to be expensive, or Andrew doesn't like this, or Andrew doesn't like that.
0: So they're handling hotels and, and they're handling airfare and they're also like, hand-
2: he his music tours. Yes, yeah. like he did his music
0: tours. And they're handling, you know, speakers and lighting rigs and, and all that stuff. But I assume there is going to be some stuff that you're going to need to be a part of, I mean, you said the word earlier content, this was being filmed.
2: N- not, no, not, not the f- f- first tour, but okay. knowing that, that that was the plan. Yes. We're headed in that direction.
0: So when some of the guys start coming off of the tour and you find out, oh, so-and-so's canceled, are they calling you? Like, what the shit did you get me into? Jeff?
2: No, I, the, the people that got canceled, I had no, that's what I'm saying is me. and Jeremy weren't even aware of some of these guys who got canceled because I, I could remember thinking, well, we didn't even know you were on there.
0: Right. I got you. So when you start to hear and read in the observer, that some of this stuff is happening do you start to get worried for lack of a better word about your income?
2: Not my income. I I really didn't. In the very least he could stiff me, you know, um, I've never been stiffed on a payoff quote unquote, you know, like on a nightly deal and I've worked for a lot of folks, Yeah, (laughs) but I I didn't really give it a second thought. He he had my plane ticket. The worst that can happen, he not pay. Uh, but no, uh, and, and again, that goes back to like sort of step one. Hey guys in the music industry, what do y'all know about Andrew? Oh, he booked PSC or he, you know, you book a listers like that. You're so you, you just was, don't survive.
0: So when you hear of cancellations, even if they were guys you didn't know about, you just assume he made a business decision. It's so what all businessmen do see you on the tour,
2: the transition from tour one to tour two and getting to know Andrew a little more at the time. He's very artsy. And so, okay, that's how he operates. Uh, he's in and out, but no, uh, they're I've moved on.
0: So this is your second tour of Australia. Of course you uh, toured with WCW the year before, as you mentioned, did you have more fun with WCW or this one personally?
2: Mm. I had fun on both. I love Australia. I've, 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 I've when people ask me if you could, never, if you, if you didn't live in Hendersonville or if you didn't live in the United States or if you didn't live, where would you live? And I've always said gold coast, Australia. It's a beautiful country. Um, It's a long way over there. And that's it. It's good and bad. But it's a beautiful country. I I love Australia. So I had fun both times. Um, I worked a lot every time I went there. Like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say... We did some sightseeing in, in a couple of times, Sydney Harbor, but that was in the TNA days when I got to go over for PR tours. And that would be built into, we're going to have lunch here in, in the Harbor, or we're going to have dinner here, this, and you're going to meet with Foxtail, uh at this place, or we're going to take you out to this place and do uh, some photo shoots or whatever, but lots of work, but, but again, and, and lots of travel, but uh, it's a big country. You don't realize how big it is. It's five or six Hour seven hour flight from Perth to Sydney, and that's cross country, so it's it's United States size.
0: So let's talk about the first show. Uh, it is in Perth, Western Australia. It's uh, October nineteenth, two thousand one. So we're what seven months after WCW goes down. Hooven to Guerra is going to defeat uh, Psychosis. Conan is going to defeat the Vampire Warrior, who we know is
2: yeah. as- pause you just for a second. Yeah, you realize Hooven to came back to this country after the WCW episode.
0: I, you know, I wasn't sure if you wanted to tell that story here or if you want to wait and talk about I it,
2: I, I just, I didn't, you just skimmed over Hooven tube made his return to Australia. <laughs> I'm just helping you out here.
0: Kyle. No, I, I mean, listen, it's quite a story and, uh, yeah, you would think he'd, they'd have his picture up at a lot of the hotels and things, but here he is. Uh, either way, who beats beat psychosis opening match, probably good to get that one out of the way, just in case. Uh, Conan defeats the vampire warrior who we know as gang Krell. buff Bagwell beats disco Inferno, Danny dominion teams with Nathan Jones. There's a name, uh, to beat Lenny lane and Lodi. Uh, Norman smiley is going to beat crowbar. Jerry Lawler beats Stevie Ray. And in the main event road Dogg beats Jeff Jarrett. Of course, road Dogg is fresh off of his new age outlaws run. He's probably one of the bigger stars in the business at that point. Right.
2: Huge. Him and Lawler to me, were the headliners. This is in Perth.
0: Yeah. Let
2: me tell you a unique story as you were running that over. Cause I, we, we, the Perth was the first, when you said, ah, let's talk about the first show. So I could remember flying in. And again, we're, you know, if the Indian ocean butts up to Perth. So from Perth airport, and when you look on a globe to little old Nashville, Tennessee, but that's about as far away as you can possibly get. Oh yeah. And I, landing and going through that day. But anyway, we get to the building. This is not a sidebar because it's something that I went, hmm, Andrew looks at the industry and, and looks at this touring model a little different. So he had proposed, and then it went from not just being proposed to mandated, is that he wanted Lawler to sit at ringside with Jeremy and color commentate live the entire event. Come on, interviewer, fire away at me.
0: Color commentate for <laughs> what? Did you know that fact? The color commentate for what? The people in the arena. There's, Did you know this story? No, there's commentary coming through the speakers.
2: Live commentary. And I, and I'm, you know, for ad free folks, they'll be able to see the, the Conrad's reaction. That that's the reaction I had. Like what? wait, you're going to have Jerry Lawler talking during a match as good as the King is. And, and, you know, obviously grew up with Jerry and and I'm like, and Jeremy, and he goes, that's what Andrew wants. That's what Andrew wants. And I'm going.
0: So this commentary piped in through all the speakers through the arena.
2: Yes. And I said, well, Andrew ain't getting it. And Jeremy's looking at me like, oh boy, night one, here we go. (laughs) So anyway, that discussion went on and then. I don't know all the ins and outs. And then, you know, Jerry was up for it and I go, okay, let's see how this goes down. And I can tell you Conrad, uh, and, and you will find this out. I've been a wrong, I've been wrong a hell of a lot more times. Did not I text you that earlier today? Yes. yes. <laughs> I've been wrong a lot more than I've been right. Um, but no, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Now, Jerry Lawler, can wear a lot of hats, yeah, and he is super, super, uber talented, super skilled, just all of the above, yeah. But him pulling off color commentary at ringside between rest holes, between high spots, Jerry is a obviously his first and foremost thing was he was a wrestler, yeah. So he knew when to talk and when not to talk, and when to be the voice of of the fans when the heels outside and and whatever it may be. And him and JB pulled this off. And when Andrew pulled me aside before the show and I said, Andrew, I I, I just, and I'm sure I probably said something to the effect with my ego. Hey dude, you don't know what F you're doing, blah, 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 whatever it may be. And he goes, God, what was the nickname he had for me? Oh, it'll come to me. But anyway, he just said, Jeff, he said, I want these people to have the experience that they've had on TV. On TV. And I go, got it. I said, let's give it a shot. And Jerry did it. And Jeremy, I'm not downplaying Jeremy, but but their cadence added to it, got the people up. But but it was um, it is interesting. But that was a part of Andrew's, you Good know, too. mindset of the Presentation in the global touring Where you, you know, for, for fans that, that would come that weren't completely ingrained, but also Jerry can, Jeremy and Jeremy and, 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 and King can tell stories and navigate and give storylines and
0: tell add context, like, fill in the blanks, all that. Exactly. It's interesting. This group of talent too. Nathan Jones. Now, of course, everybody listening to this knows Nathan Jones, but here's what you might not remember. You saw Nathan Jones in 2002. This is 2001. This is pre his WWF run and Danny dominion, by the way. Um, I mean, I think we should mention most people probably know of his work, even if they don't know of him, uh, because of, uh, a steel, who obviously had a, a, played a big hand in CM Punk and Colt Cabanas, and anyway, Nathan Jones. What do you think seeing this guy, meeting this guy for the first time?
2: So Andrew obviously hyped him up to me before we got there, and and talked about his size and everything. You just take one look at Andrew, and yeah. you just go wow. And then obviously me being the in ring uh, talent, go oh boy, <laughs> somebody's got their work cut out. Let's keep it simple, it the positive. Uh, the negative, uh, but what a physical specimen! in his face um, is money. He, he just is blessed, gifted. He, he's got an incredible look.
0: Uh, any other memories from this first night that you want to share with us before we go to the next night?
2: No, I, just that 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 commentary thing. It, look, you said it earlier. Road Dog uh, Brian was the, the the he was you know his his transition from uh, new age outlaws to the dog, you know, it it was, he was a singles guy in so many different ways. Yes. He made his name in DX and, you know, then he was however you want to cache it, but he was a single main eventer in so many ways.
0: I want to mention too, you're going to be in the main event the next night, but something interesting is taking part of that, uh, second night festivities, Bret Hart joins the tour. Did you, what do you remember about Brett being on the tour? I don't think a lot of people even remember that.
2: It was great. I remember, uh, he got to the building. Uh, I don't say late, but we, you know, we, we were landing in, uh, that was, uh, Adelaide. You said.
0: Yeah. Adelaide or however you say that yeah, second City night.
2: Churches. Uh, I think Ray Ripley's from there. Uh, but no beautiful town, R- really pretty town, but we were traveling we'll call it by bus when we land at the airport. So we got to the building early, um, or earlier than Brett. And I just remember seeing Brett in the back of the building. I hadn't seen him in years. Wow. Yeah. A, a while. And so it was great to catch up and me and Brett back to, I mean, even Memphis, but you know, uh, I worked a house show run with Brett, um, early in my WWF career. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't say I gained his respect that night, but you know, um, we hit it off in the ring as well as again, he's the son of a promoter. So, so me and Brett always um, were, were cool and and to see him and coming off, I'll say coming off his injury, but you know, with everything that he'd gone through at WCW, um, it was great to see him and get catch up. I was glad that, that, that Andrew had brought him in and the Andrew Brett deal was one-on-one me, JB disco. we, We had not, you know, Cause Brett wasn't wrestling. We had no discussions. That wasn't our call at all. Happy for it, but you know, that was dumb between Andrew and Brett. Uh,
0: the card that night is a uh, Hoover Two Guerrero and psychosis beating Lenny Lane and Lodi Norman, Smiley beating uh, crowbar, a dog collar match with road dog and Conan timeout right there. How was Conan on this tour?
2: Great. You know, Conan, we met in 95, um. Gosh, that's amazing that, that far back. But um, so not just good. Great. Um, I could, as you were reading off that card, I'm, another memory flashback, because I was always one that let's give them the same show every night. Let, let's because let's put our best foot effort and not juggle it. Andrew wanted to go the other way. And I said, okay, we'll give you a different show every night. And that's what he wanted. Different stipulations, different mindsets, different guys working together. But, you know, Perth, Adelaide is by plane, four hours, something like that. So along, no, no, no fans travel back-to-back shows. And if they did, they wouldn't mind seeing the same show over and over. But uh, it's a different show.
0: You know, we're seeing a lot of feedback on the podcast that people have started to come around on Jeff Jarrett. Maybe for whatever reason, they just didn't like Jeff when they saw him on TV. And I get that, but eventually he wears you down and he decide, okay, I'll give it a shot and bam, my world's your new favorite podcast. There's no denying Jeff Jarrett and there's no denying blue chew. It's time to come around guys. You've heard us talk about blue chew until we're blue in the face. And we're doing this because it's really working for our listeners. Folks, just like you are, uh, shall, we, shall we say, turning the volume up at home. And if you're like me, it's been a hell of a year. You probably feel like you've aged like 12 years over the last 12 months. But it's time to turn back the clock in the bedroom. Snap out of it. Spring is here. It's sprung with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of erectile dysfunction. And Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so there's no visits to the doctor. There's no awkward conversation. There's no waiting in line at the pharmacy and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Now, the process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll get your prescription within a few days. But the best part, it's all online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. And if you don't like swallowing pills, there's no problem here, Bubba. How about this? BlueChew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if it's faster, it's easier, it's cheaper, why would you do this? If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD to receive your first free month. And we'd like to thank Luchu for sponsoring the podcast. What are you waiting for? Luchu.com. And the promo code is MyWorld. You've got a mixed tag in here this time uh, with um, Adara James and Danny Dominion beating Gangrel and Luna Nathan Jones picks up a win over Disco Inferno. And once again, you're in the main event. This time, Bret Hart's going to count the pin as Buff Bagwell beats you. Uh, Buff Bagwell has had a reputation at different times, depending on what circle you're talking about. What was your relationship like with Buff? How was he on this tour?
2: He was, I mean, look, Buff, he's a Georgia boy, but I never, my style of, I, I, uh, I was taught, I'll say this, uh, and, I, and I'm not prided myself, but i you know, I have a match with anybody and I knew Buff's signature moves, um, and look, I, I just knew how to work a buff style match and in a, we'll call it a one-off uh, like Adelaide and Perth, the whole tour was just go out and give them great entertainment. I was tickled to death that Brett was going to be involved in the finish finish, uh, which, you know, it, candidly, um, when you're in a situation like this, that the biggest star on the show is not wrestling, but, you know, entertaining. So you build to the one spot, period. You build to Brett being involved.
0: Uh, two nights later, you're in uh, Canberra, probably pronounced that wrong, uh, the Australian capital territory. And that's uh, Juventude over Psychosis, Conan over Gangrel, Dominion and Jones over Lane and Lodi, Bagwell over Disco, Norman Smiley over Crowbar, Jeff Jarrett over Stevie Ray, and then Double Duty. It's the WWE World Heavyweight title match. We're crowning our very first world champion. Road dog gets the win over Jeff Jarrett. That one happens on October 23rd. What's the thinking in let's make a champion on our third show.
2: Andrew wanted it. Uh, so, uh, so that means who did road dog work with?
0: Uh, he didn't work prior to that. That was his first match that night. I mean, he had worked o- otherwise on the show or this tour two nights prior. He was in a dog collar match with Conan. And then of course you guys may have ended the very, first I the, only
2: the one that worked twice that night. Yes. Just you. Okay. So I, I, I have no idea other than Andrew probably wanted a champion crown early and also wanted everybody to, to perform. And maybe I said I'll work twice as opposed to making it a three-way. I, I do not recall that Conrad. I, I pride myself sometimes on having really good recall. I do not recall.
0: Two days later, you guys are in Wollongong. Wollongong. Uh, beautiful new, new beautiful. south wales australia it's a hooven toot and conan over norman smiley and psychosis gangrell beating luna vashon how about that for a match husband uh, wife yeah that probably happened in real life uh buff bagwell she probably went over though in real yes. life yes
2: sure
0: uh buff bagwell would beat disco Inferno. Uh, crowbar beat danny dominion nathan jones beat lenny lane that was probably fun uh, Jerry Lawler beats TV Ray. And then you're in the main event again, in a losing effort against the champ road dog. I want to mention so far we're four shows deep, but he's given you a night off in between. So you're working October 19th and then October 21st and then October 23rd and then October 25th. Is that because the travel is so strenuous or he was just, you know, not Vince McMahon and believed in giving the guys a day off. So they didn't have to just fly around and kill themselves every night.
2: Perth to Adelaide is a haul. Yeah. and yeah. So, so all of it is uh, I'm trying to think if we would have done a jump plane or bus, uh, but it, Australia is a really big country. Yeah. Uh, so I know travel is involved in that. Um, and uh, I mean, sort of what you said, working us back to back to back, I don't say it's impossible in Australia, uh, but I'm, I'm sure it's more expensive. Uh, but, but having a day off in between, you know, Gave everyone a rest. And again, it was a, it was a brand new team put together, brand new set of circumstances.
0: So their pay-per-view, the WWA pay-per-view takes place in Sydney. And for some reason, the title has vacated and now it's put up in a tournament, your guess is as good as mine. Um, it's an interesting night to say the least there's even a guitar on a pole match. With you and Nathan Jones, and 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 you're saying Vince Russo was not involved in this, correct? Okay, just busting balls. Uh, so here's Fear the he, here's the uh, the show that night at the Sydney Superdome. Uh, w- I guess before we run through the card, what do you remember about the pay per view? I mean, are you? I know these days you're involved with fight. You got your finger on the pulse of all things pay per view. What was your involvement with the pay per view in this era? And is this something that he just said, don't worry about it, Jeff. I got it.
2: So uh, to start with your last statement, don't worry about it. I got it. I, I, I truly believed in that on production wise. That was his ball of wax. You know, it, it, he he's from Australia, got all the resources. We're going to get it done. We're, we're in charge of, of talent, you know, commentators backstage. That was, that was our role. But, um, my old buddy Rogue, who I'm still, very good buddies with. Um, he, for those who don't know who Rove is, he, um, you know, I, I'll call him like a Jimmy Fallon. Uh, he had a not a nightly, but once a week show on Channel 9. Um, he's a comedian, a stand up comedian, we'll say by trade, but now he's, you know, a, a executive producer. He's great on camera, off camera. He's, he's a jack of all trades, uh, master of a lot of them as well. But no, but Rove, uh, I love him for this. He is a true wrestling fan and him and McManus, uh, however, they had the relationship. Um, he wanted a guitar shot. So Conrad, you know, me, how do we make a uh, guitar shot happen? Let's put a guitar on a pole match. I don't recall that exact situation, but look, who is the most natural for rove to be in the corner of Yes. Australia's own Nathan Jones, um, on pay-per-view, it was a selling point. And, you know, to go back on, which is a big part, uh, you know, in this day and age, uh, and this is uh, something that um, you know, all, we'll call it, all, all the the wrestling journalists, the the pay-per-view buy industry in 2001, coming off the attitude era, where both companies were doing a pay-per-view a month. Uh, our good buddy at 83 Weeks transitioned in, what was that, 95 uh, yeah, because that spurred the in your house, you know, once a month. So a pay per view a month, lots and lots of pay per view buys. Uh, Vince was again ahead of his time and pioneered that from close circuit to pay per view and and just putting that content out. So wrestling was from a mindset was the pay per view industry. So Andrew, I know, wanted to um, you know we'll call it cash in or or make up or you know it was a part of his plan that we will do. You know, I remember him saying we're going to do quarterly pay-per-views or he he didn't really know the model. And I didn't either what was going to work, but he wanted to do a pay-per-view uh, and he had high hopes. And, and we did as well that, OK, we can run this tour. And if we're moderately successful, but do just OK in the pay-per-view world. OK, it's a sustainable model. Uh, and so that was the mindset of doing a pay-per-view. Uh, still to this day, I'm not real sh- sure why we went to the enormous arena. It's cavernous. It is a really big venue, but again, uh, that's where he wanted to go. And, and, you know, not that that was quote unquote, the wrestling building. Cause there wasn't a wrestling building in Australia at that time, but it's where he wanted to go. So Rove and Nathan and the WWE, I mean, it was, uh, it was a big deal. And he did a massive amount of press, uh, as I recall for, for the show.
0: Yeah, uh, the uh, Sydney Superdome is where the show goes down. I mean, the capacity here is like 21,000. There's 8,500 fans here. So to say it was a disaster is not totally accurate. 8,500 is a big deal. Uh, I mean, just a few years ago, a whole promotion was launched on Can We Sell 10,000 Tickets? So this is not that bad. No, uh, no, no. And uh, I do want to mention that Bret Hart is in the commissioner role here. I don't want yep. everybody to think he's just randomly there. As you mentioned, Lawler and Borash are the commentators. The referee they probably remember from WCW, Slick Johnson. What a great name that is. Uh let's talk about the matches, though. We've got a cruiserweight championship here. It's a ladder match. Hoovintoot over Psychosis. So not only is Hoovy back in Australia, he's the champ, baby. Uh yeah. first round of the tournament to crown a new champion, Road Dog over Conan in three minutes and forty-two seconds. They do a hardcore match with smiley over Devin storm, shout out to Devin who I know listens. Uh, and then there is a, uh, a first round battle Royal and boy, this is hard to pin down, but everybody's in here and everybody agrees. It was fun. Uh, there's even non wrestlers, but buff Bagwell's here. Disco Inferno, Norman, smiley crowbar, Stevie Ray, the commentators, both Lawler and Borash, uh, slick Johnson, a cameraman, another referee, a woman in a gold dress security guards, and I think a couple of folks who they refer to as banana in a pajama one and two, uh, it's a silly battle Royal, but fans seem to dig it. And it didn't take a lot of time, six minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, and then we get you and Nathan Jones and that guitar on a pole match. And then it's time for uh, a semi-final three-way for the world heavyweight championship. It's road dog beating Lodi and Lenny and then another lumberjack match we can't just have a regular match here so there's a lumberjack match with straps with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Buff Bagwell of course Jeff goes over hardcore cool rules it's husband versus wife vampire warrior versus Luna Vashon this is all on pay-per-view by the way and a uh, a uh, four-way women's match where i think it's like a let's strip their clothes off match and you've got Adara James beating Queen B and uh Sharon A and Violet whoever these folks are and then in the main event, it's a cage match. Yes. Another gimmick match. Uh, Jeff Jarrett beats the road dog. And by God, Jeff Jarrett is our WWE champion. What a show,
2: what a show, what a damn show, the battle Roll. Let's go back to that. Cause, um, you know, a, a lot of times <laughs> you chuckling out of that. Look, I, a, as you know, I like, I, I was born and raised on Jerry, the King Lawler, and he can be as a Monday night wall raw watcher is well aware of great comedic timing. Yes. But he was a very serious wrestler, Jackie Fargo, the same, very <laughs> serious. One of the best serious promos I ever, in my opinion, ranks right up here at the top, but he had a ton of comedy in him as well. So I think comedy in the right spots is c- com- completely underestimated in this day and age. It can be overdone though, but, Pajama One and Pajama Two, um, I, I mean, were really big deals in Australia. It's it's like the Wiggles, but but Pajama One and Pajama Two were, were big deals. And and so I got a sidebar here. Can I sidebar here? Please presented? do. <laughs> because to, to this day, Glenn Gilberti, Gilber- Gilberti, however Conan wants to pronounce his name, but to this day, Disco and me still say this line to each other. To this day. So we, uh, me and I say we, me, Jeremy, and Glenn uh, take a trip to Memphis during the summer of No Worries to just get away and let's, let, let's, let's just freestyle, as Conrad likes to say, and just talk about all kinds of talent. At that time, I feel like, yeah, because, yeah, we would have if we're talking about pajama one, I mean, banana one and banana two. So uh, we'd sort of got marching orders from Andrew, we won't gimmick matches and we want a lot of entertainment and we got to keep the budget low and the flight. So we more or less have a, maybe we went, I don't know, two weeks before the tour, whatever it may be. We had our marching order. So let's put the shows together. So we're down there and Jeremy, <laughs> like I mean, to this day, I still laugh about it, but Jeremy and disco, they got sidebarred and we're talking about this battle role and you know, you just said it, a cameraman and this guy and this guy, but it's the comedy relief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, self-deprecating the whole show was comedy relief but not really but no so so as we're going through everything and telling the ins and the outs and hey law alert look he can come up from the announce table and whatever it was we're laying out this and they keep saying oh no we'll, we'll listen no forget the pajama one or banana one and banana two forget all that so that goes on like 10 minutes and finally conrad I, I i'm there and we're probably having a couple of We were at Chili's. We were at Chili's in one of those high top tables.
0: So you had a triple play and some beer.
2: (laughs) So, but there was a moment (laughs) when I said, come on guys, please focus on the bananas. (laughs) And they both looked over at me and said, can you repeat what you just said? (laughs) And I said, and I was, you know, the old Jeff, I was wound up. I said, and I was dead serious. Guys, gummit. focus on the bananas. And then they chuckled again. And then I was like, okay, guys, we've got to lay this match out. Andrew wants the bananas. They're a really big deal. We got to make it make sense. How are we going to get them in? How are we going to get them out? But anyway, that's my sidebar. To this day, Disco will tell me, Jeff, focus on the bananas.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious.
2: <laughs> oh, you had to be there, but it, uh, it, it, we chuckled.
0: Your pay-per-view event. I mean, it's not the last night of the tour. You still got one more show. We're going to talk about it, but when it's all over, you know, the it's done. You're the champ. We're going off the air. You've wrestled. Uh, there's been this crazy battle Royal. You've had a guitar on a pole match. You've had a a, a lumberjack match with straps and now a cage match. Are you pleased? Is Andrew pleased?
2: Andrew's very pleased. He, he, you know, as crazy as it may sound, he sort of saw, okay, I'm going to give these guys my wishes and wants and Brett pajamas. I mean, bananas and all this kind of stuff. But, okay, I, I sort of see where this is going. We can entertain the people. You know, the the, the people that came to the shows, and like you said, 8,500. You know, you look oh, cool. We, we all know what that reality is. That's damn good. And yeah, we definitely, the last days of WCW and the crowds, they were put, and that's with a billion-dollar organization behind them. So 8,500 is a lot of tickets sold. Andrew's happy. Uh, you know, of course, we didn't know anything about buy rates or anything like that. But the people that were in the arena every night enjoyed it. That that was something that, you know, and 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 I'll say this, JB and, 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 and Disco and myself and the crew and the talent. And obviously Lawler every night would have uh, his influence sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, that's just how Jerry's always worked, but th- the shows were entertaining and the people felt like they got their money's worth. And Andrew was happy for sure. Very happy.
0: So we're not done. As we mentioned, there's one last night on this inception tour. We're in Melbourne, Australia here. Uh, the main event is Jeff Jarrett beating the road dog by DQ uh, Jerry Lawler beats Stevie Ray. Nathan Jones and Norman Smiley beat Lenny and Lodi. Buff beats Disco. Conan beats Gangrel. Uh, there's a tables match where Crowbar beats Danny Dominion, and Hooventude defeats Psychosis to retain his cruiserweight championship. So when this thing's all done, and everybody was skeptical and thought, "Boy, this will never happen again," and WCW is the end of an era, here is a lot of uh, well, some local, you know, maybe could be big stars like Nathan Jones but a lot of former WCW talent and a couple of former WWF talent like Gangrell and Jerry Lawler. And now it feels like, Hey, we might have something at least from the outside. What were you thinking when the tour is over and you're headed back to Nashville?
2: I was really interested and this is probably my promoter mentality. Okay. We did it in Australia. How's he really going to do in the UK? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like how is this really going to go down? Uh, you know, Australia's in his backyard and in the amount of contacts and just talking from people, whether it was at the gym or the PR places, you know, he had, I mean, it, it, it literally is his backyard uh, and, and, you know, Melbourne uh, crown plaza crown, crown, center. It's a casino. It's a real you gotta go there. Conrad, we need to go do a stage show there. I'm telling you, you, you would love it, but anyhow, that's a, for a, another day. But, um, I, you know, I was very optimistic is, is one word, but also like, okay, I, I see Andrew's vision. I, I really do, but let's get to the UK and see how that goes.
0: Are, are the guys coming to you and saying, Hey man, we got to get so-and-so figured in or, Hey, can I get more the next time? Or, Hey, when's the next one? I mean, they think that you're quote unquote office a little bit, right?
2: Sure. But they, they also knew by Andrew's one-on-one conversations, he was the money guy. Yeah. Um, you know, like every natural dressing room is, Hey, is this guy going to pay us? Is what's the real deal? That, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, look, your guess is good as mine. I, this is my first tour with him as well. Um, it was, it was well known within the locker room or whatever, that Andrew was a music promoter and dabbling in this world. And I, for one, and I think it was pretty much permeated. We were grateful and, and, and pretty excited. Okay. This guy, he he's going to dig in. Let's see where it goes.
0: Overall. You said the, uh, the first tour that was canceled with uh barber and, and Rodman was just unorganized. Was this tour better? I mean, I know you weren't on the I first wasn't one on
2: that, and I don't even know who the point man was on that. I wish I could recall who was uh, the the point man, but, uh, Andrew had a, we'll call it a tour manager that did music that did hotel rooms and this and that. And we had some, I'll say, you know, a a few hiccups on catering and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it was, you know, planes and buses and travel and gyms and, uh, directions on, uh, you know, the, the little things that, that touring artists need, Everything was there. But Andrew had dealt with, I mean, you name it. Bon Jovi. I mean, he'd kiss, he he dealt with all kinds of rock stars and music stars and, and and all that. So we we are less maintenance in so many ways. I'm well aware of that. And so um, yeah, I mean, it was okay, on to the next tour. Let's see how it goes.
0: Well, and the next tour happened the very next month. Uh, you guys are going to be in Dublin, Ireland on October. I'm sorry. November 28th. Once again, right the, the Thanksgiving. Ma- yeah. Right after Thanksgiving, the main event is you over road dog uh, on night one in Dublin. Um,
2: good house. We later ran that with TNA, but that little, actually, arena-
0: I, th- I think I have that maybe backwards.
2: At Belfast and Dublin. were are two shows in Ireland that I'm like, okay, he's already diving into you know Ireland and i mean we as we'll get into this he didn't just pick a few shows it's newcastle and glasgow and dublin and belfast and london and manchester and birmingham sorry to get ahead but i mean it was a here we go 10 day tour
0: yeah so you know you do two nights here i, I, th- I said the first night was dublin actually the first night's belfast either way yeah you beat road dog in the main event in both markets and then you jump over to, uh, Birmingham and, uh, again, it's a main event with you involved, but this time it's a little different. The first two nights were the same old crew, but here we've got Jeff Jarrett defeating Scott Steiner and the road dog. It's a three-way dance and your old pal, Scott Steiner is involved. How does Scott get tagged in here? I know you and he've been friends for years.
2: I think it was a, a deal about running lean and mean. So we probably did two Ireland dates and his guarantee. And I would say his, not Scott's, my bad. Andrew McManus, his, you know, his broker deal that when he went to the UK, he, he brokered with other promoters over there. And so smaller venues, I'm, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but saw it smaller. So it was a smaller crew on the first two days. And if I remember correctly, we had like three days off over there. And, um, we,
0: you had four actually.
2: Okay. That, that that's a pretty healthy stay. Uh, and so we brought in talent, uh, you know, to kick off uh, the, 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 full tour, so to speak. But I can remember a couple of, uh, hotel room meetings and, you know, just, it was okay. Now we're getting into the meat of this and Andrew was having meetings and, you know, it was, um, it was one of those things. How are we going to make this thing profitable and, uh, enjoyable and where we, where we can come back. Um, I, I would say the optimism, I don't have it completely locked down, but it was, it was riding high.
0: Did WWA help get Jerry Lawler his job back? Do you think? Because he's not with you in November. So, uh, you know, that first original tour that you guys were doing, as we mentioned, he's doing commentary, but come November 19th after a nine month hiatus, he's back on raw back where he belongs. Do you think that him doing something somewhere else and there potentially being a new player entering the game sort of fast-tracked his return?
2: No, you wouldn't be asking me that if you didn't believe it
0: without question.
2: Sure. It's just how the business
0: goes. Does he sort of put in a good work for his son? Because now that we're here in Birmingham and all this, uh, Brian Christopher is going to join the tour.
2: And boy, that's a memory jogger because Scott, obviously, the WCW uh, on how that went down. I, I I believe, and look, me and Scott go back to 86, 87 when he came uh, essentially straight out of college slash wrestling school. So we were best friends from 87. I believe these were his first shows uh, since shut down. I think his contract expired. Somewhere around this time as well. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but, but, um, yeah. So, so uh, Brian Lawler slash Brian Christopher, him joining the tour. Uh, look, I've always been a huge fan, always was, uh, of his in ring work. Um, I can't recall, I kind of don't believe Jerry. Uh, I, I'm sure maybe in passing, uh, but, but I would, be, you know, Uh, Again, I don't specifically recall, but if Brian was available, uh, and how he came available, I don't recall, but certainly, uh, him being added to the roster would be uh, a huge bonus, uh, you know, through my eyes.
0: Let's keep it going here. Uh, we do know for sure you guys are going to hit London. You're going to hit Manchester. Uh, you're going to be teaming with Brian Christopher or taking on, uh, Brian Christopher who teams with road dog. So your partner, Scott Steiner, you guys are the bad guys, Everybody wants to cheer Brian Christopher and Road Dog and Christopher and Road Dog get their hands raised. So you're in the main event no matter where we put you and who you're against. Uh you wind up in Cardiff in Wales and uh it's a world title match there in the main event again. A triple threat. Uh you're victorious. Uh we're also going to do Newcastle. Jeff Jarrett is going to defeat Scott Steiner in the main event there again. Uh we're back in Glasgow. Jeff Jarrett is going to defeat Scott Steiner there. So you're in the main events all over and, uh, we wrap up this tour, uh, December 8th. No, I'm sorry. December 11th of, uh, 2001. So two weeks prior to Christmas, but quite a tour, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight shows. That's pretty strong.
2: And with four days off, I just remember, um, you know, it it was a run. And, um, I, I was just sitting there thinking as you were going through that, that Andrew was wanting to figure out by the end of this, who is the crew going to be right. Because he was wanting to wrap his head around. Um, a- again, not just him. We all had uh, big plans like, okay, how's, you know, so what was the next year? How was 2002 really going to look? What, what was, what was really going to shape? H- how was, how was this going to be done? Travel and storylines uh which was uh, you know i'll say quasi storylines but yeah it was a haul i can remember i think i had to stay you know yeah i had to stay over after that last show i had to stay the following day for meetings which kept me over there essentially like two days more and i can remember board that plane i was ready to come home for sure
0: well we're not done because we know that You know, we've still got another pay per view that we want to put together here. By the way, I guess we should mention the name. We keep saying WWA; it's World Wrestling All Stars. That's sort of what they're going for here with uh, the branding. But while that may be the end, I
2: like that. Just because I I can remember one of the first conversations that specifically, Andrew, like, "Hey, Double J, Uh, he did come. Yeah, what do you think about the name?" And I said, "I love it." He goes, "That we want to, you know, because superstars and all stars." Yeah, that's. I was going with that whole conversation that, that he, he was dialed into that. He, uh, he might've even trademarked that, uh, WWE all-stars or, or something along that lines, but he, that's, that's the vision. He it's, you know, the Harlem glow if you will, a touring group of wrestling all-stars. That was his vision.
0: So, uh, that's the end of 2001 for world wrestling all-stars, but here's the thing we've done our thing abroad. We did it in Australia. We did it in the UK. Now it's time to bring it to America. And just like Herb Abrams before him, we're going to run Las Vegas. Um, when he tells you, Hey, we want to run an American pay-per-view and we want to run it in Las Vegas. Me and, you know, Las Vegas is not historically a strong wrestling market. Even WWE struggles there.
2: It's never even back to the AWA showboat days with Vern Gagne, that that's the first place I met Kurt Henning and the nasty boys. They did it at a casino and I can remember, sorry to sidebar, but I can remember coming from Memphis and Louisville and Evansville and, you know, that weekly vibe and that whole mindset and going to the showboat at AWA and they do these, I, I you know, I called them a game a, a, a mass TV taping, go out. Oh, Jeff, you're going to wrestle three times tonight or two times, whatever that was. And I'm just thinking about these people, you know, it's the first time, Again, you take me back to my first days of Vegas. It always rings in my brain. Wow. A casino crowd. They're not into it. (laughs)
0: They're They're not not. into it. So, so when he tells you, I want to run Las Vegas, do you not say, Hey, Andrew, uh, maybe not the best town. I get what you're going for, but what about Chicago?
2: Well, I, I said with the wrestling promoter cap, can you tell me why? Yeah. You know, Andrew, can you tell me why? Well, I've got great connections. And I'm going to get a building deal and I'm going to get this. And I'm you know, all this, I'm like, okay, look, it's, it's, you know, he's steering the ship, um, in so many different ways and he's super excited and okay, we're having a pay-per-view we'll make it work. I've uh, you, you, once you, we know each other pretty well, Conrad, and we like to give each other. Oh, I
0: know. I know what we'll make it work means. I already know. I already got that in Jeff speak. I know what that means.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll get it done.
0: We're going to shine this turd up as best we can. It's going to suck, but this is what you want to do. So we'll make it work.
2: There you go.
0: Uh, And here's the thing too. You know, I don't think people think about this all the time, but when you run a pay-per-view in Las Vegas, you're basically running it in the afternoon. It's not your evening. I mean, when you get done, now you can go to dinner and now you can go to the bars and the clubs. It's not like, Oh, what a night I got to go home and go to bed. No, now it's time for supper. I mean, the time change is real, right? shift change. Yeah,
2: When you really dial into it, the the people who want to come see it, they're either still at work or got to get ready to go to work or I don't know. It's Friday night. I'm in the service industry. I'm going to make some serious bank on Friday and Saturday night. I'm not taking off. It it just doesn't work. People who fly to Las Vegas and fly in and out, what do they do? Okay. I'm going to a show Friday night dinner here. I'm going to this show Friday night. So it it doesn't work for so many reasons, even if it was at eight o'clock showtime. Yeah. Bad boy to four or five, I mean, you literally got three strikes before you get up to see that ninety-eight mile an hour fastball. You just do.
0: Is there a moment during, you know, the first leg of this tour, and when you go back a month later in November and carry it through December, or when he tells you, Hey, we're doing this pay-per-view in Vegas, do you remember there being a moment where you're like, Yeah, this ain't gonna work?
2: Do you know how many local promoters that I've dealt with in my first seven years. And I'm talking about my grandfather or my Eddie Marlin or my grandmother on the other side or my dad or buddy Wayne or, or different promoters that would partner up with a lo- local Hawaiianist club or a quarterback club or national guard armory, all the folks that are quote unquote, the local promoters that that are kind of good show one, but show two, we turned this bad boy, they, they sold it out. So lots of learning play, you know, and I'm talking on a very small scale, but you know, to go from 700 people in a high school gym in Kentucky to those big high school gyms up there to 2,100 people in the whole population is 15,000 people in the County, you know, just small, those kind of promoters that really know nothing, but you sort of guide them. And then all of a sudden, wow, they, they know what they're doing. So this kind of analogy, I've somewhat always carried with it. There were several moments in the Australia tour and in the UK tour that I didn't say, ah, this ain't going to work. It was, whoo, we got us a learning curve here. You know, that, that kind of stuff that, no, this isn't the music industry. This is professional wrestling. And okay. Now we're getting back to America. Oh, Vegas. That's going to be a uphill climb, but we'll make it work. Okay. Uh, and then the aha moment, Um, which I wasn't aware of, and I may be jumping ahead here, Conrad. When I walked into the Aladdin and saw that it's theater seating, I I literally was like, oh boy, oh boy, this vibe is not going to be easy. They just don't work. It's very hard in in those kind of, you know, people, it's just, it's, it's a disconnect.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep going and talk about this story and then let's, uh, start to wind things down because we realize this is not going to make it. Um, but I guess the question I have through all of this, you know, Jeremy Borash is sort of your writing partner. What's Bob Ryder doing? Do you know?
2: So me and Bob, again, that we'll call it that WCW crew of Jeremy Borash and Bob Ryder, but Conan, uh, again, uh, his podcast partner, uh, Disco Inferno, and myself, we were regular WCW live folks. And so I stayed in contact with Bob. Um, You know, we all did. Hey, what's going on? But Bob had really dove into what he was, uh, like mortgage is your bread and butter. Travel agency is his bread and butter. One time he had seven or eight folks working for him. He, He was in the travel industry before, during, and after. You know, he, he never got out of the travel industry. Um, but so he was doing his travel thing. And at that point, coming off WCW, uh, he had his travel industry uh, money, which was a lot. He had his WCW and Bob was single. So he bought him a really nice fishing boat. I mean, a chartered deep sea fishing rig, uh, beautiful rig. Uh, so he was fishing on weekends and running his travel agency. And, uh, running, um, one wrestling.com and at that time, and you may be able to big, big give better context, but one wrestling.com now known as PW insider, but one wrestling, it was a big site. It was up there maybe in, in, as far as sites. Cause I don't think Dave and it you know, was pre
0: Dave. It was, it was the go-to wrestling site.
2: Okay. That's I was thinking that. Yeah. So he was running a wrestling website, making money, fishing. Uh, boat making money. He's making money off his boat because he charted it and uh, WCW money coming off of in his travel agency.
0: So here we are now, he's going to run an American pay-per-view. You know, we talked about what he could do abroad, but did you think a pay-per-view without TV could work for McManus here?
2: Well, we had done the Sydney one and uh, you know, it didn't set the world on fire, but, but it, it, you know, it was what it was, but it was off hours. Now we were going to be quote unquote in prime time, uh, live. Um, I, you, I didn't really know how robust it was going to be, but again, Andrew had told me I run lane in Maine with production. I have this deal and that's, if there was some some sort of cracks in the armor was we were never really privy to production numbers, really even travel numbers other than lower it. No, we can't do this. We got to cut this guy. You want to cut, you know, that we weren't really privy to his books.
0: I want to mention that they're going to air that, that Sydney pay-per-view here in America on January 6th. And that's the one where you're going to win the world title. So, you know, even though it already aired, you know, in another part of the world, now you're going to be able to see the pay-per-view here in America. And your dad wrote in his book that it was around this time that McManus stopped returning your calls. Do you remember that?
2: I don't remember him not returning my calls. I remember the savage equation. You know, Andrew desperately wanted McManus uh, to be a world wrestling (laughs) all-star. I'll I'll say this, and and running the ship. And I never had any, any optimism that that would ever happen. I just didn't see Randy doing it. At that stage of his career, coming off his... WWF and then WCW run in the Slim Jim and Randy's great with his money and you know I, I just did never see I just didn't see that happening but and I told Andrew that and he didn't like when I told him that.
0: It's reported at the time that Randy Savage was even going to replace Jeremy Borash as the Booker. You know, for lack of a better word, people were saying that Jeremy was the Booker, and you sort of said, "Well, he." did the format so I could see how you would get to that. But I know that you had some creative input and all that, but the reports in the quote unquote dirt sheets were that Randy Savage was going to be the booker. Do you think that's just a carrot that maybe Andrew dangled sort of, Hey, what's better than creative control. You can run the whole show. If you'll just come over Randy, do you think that was a negotiating thing?
2: That was my understanding that he was basically giving Randy the keys to the car. He really wanted Randy. I mean, he really wanted Randy in so many different ways. I didn't think it was going to happen. I, I just didn't. Um, you know, my my dad's influence was, son, which way is this thing headed? And I'm like, until I'm told different, but maybe, maybe not. I might not have should have voiced my opinion so loudly to him about Savage, but I was – very bullish. I'll go back to, Andrew, get your crew, get your all-stars, and put it together. And I'm not saying the complete card from up to down, but you need to get a crew where people can invest in you. But that won't be possible unless you invested them first. People are not going to clear their calendars and just say, hey, yeah, uh, Andrew, you've got me when you want me. That just wasn't going to happen. And I said, as we get into this new year, those were some of the conversations I began to have with them on year two. Look, if, if, if this is going, people got to clear their calendars. So, you know, I'm not saying you got to pay them up front. I'm highly advising you not to do that. Look at the WCW situation, but you got to invest in, in, invest in your crew.
0: You know, I want to sort of elaborate on what you said there that you were so, I don't know, vocal about Savage. Savage is actually one of your favorite wrestlers growing up. You just felt like it was a time waster, right?
2: I just never saw Randy committing. I know he didn't, you know, Randy didn't like to book. He yeah. didn't like creative. He liked Randy's creative and rightly so. I mean, that's, it goes without saying when Randy got out of the, uh, Puffo promotion business, he got into the macho man, Randy Savage business and he, he didn't even like commentating. That didn't work out with him and Vince in the early day, you know, when he transitioned over to the announced position. Randy wanted to be a talent and I just never saw him wearing multiple hats. And that was my conversation that I had multiple times with Andrew.
0: Let's talk about, uh, January 6th. i bring that up for two reasons. One that's when the American version of the pay-per-view airs and you become champion and your dad would also write in his book, uh, that this is the first time he remembers you discussing doing your own promotion. Uh, do you remember that conversation with your dad?
2: I remember multiple brief conversations that I was telling him, he, he, you know, in our, our, uh, our, our say our home territory. So, uh, I'll try to give the, a little analogy. So the Nashville TV would go out maybe 60 miles. I'm just hypothetically saying this, but 60 mile radius around Nashville and Memphis was a much stronger, so maybe Ninety miles, Louisville, seventy miles. But anyway, but we would run shows, we'll say Glasgow, Kentucky, or even Bowling Green, Kentucky, but different towns that quote unquote, oh, they don't get regular TV. Oh, you have to pick it up on this station. Oh, you don't so people that didn't get regular TV, if that makes sense, Conrad's that that is am I explaining that right? Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Not a, so so I, I told him, I said, Dad, there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of spot shows to run. It's just not in our backyard. It's all over the world. There is an opportunity. Run right, get the right crew together and get the right, and I'm saying from McManus's lead, get the right promoters together and create that, basically that touring all-star and get into the mindset of how are we going to start creating content and getting the episodic nature. But coming off the Attitude Era, and I didn't put it in these words, but the business was so red hot that people knew Conan and Disco and Jeff and Steiner. I mean, there was there was so much talent on the market. I mean, Scott Hall, I mean, you could go on. There was a lot of talent out there. So that was my mindset talking to the dad. Yeah, there's a lot of spot shows to run around the world. Uh, you just can't oversaturate it. You can't go back to the same market, go in with a fresh look. And look, just run lean and mean, And there's, there's an opportunity here.
0: Tell us about the boat trip. That's sort of debunking the narrative, but for years and years, it was out there that Bob Ryder invited all you guys down for the big fishing trip. You just said he had a really nice boat there and you supposedly got uh, seasick and were miserable. But the genesis of the conversation is why don't we start our own and run weekly pay-per-views uh, I know this is probably a story for another show, but chat me up. Did that conversation happen for the very first time on Bob Ryder's boat?
2: So this is i uh, I'll give you context. Context is king. So, uh, I got a concussion by, and I grew up fishing, deep sea fishing with my dad and all that, but Bob Ryder invited me after I got the concussion with snooker, drove off the cage at me in Buffalo. I don't know if you remember I wrestled
0: snooker. Yeah. yeah. You,
2: and, you know, it. anyway, I, I, I had a severe concussion. I couldn't see, I couldn't see light, not, not, not just daylight house light, anything for about three days. I came home from did Buffalo. Then I got to Erie the next day and, and they sent me home. So anyway, from that point forward, I, I so I'd gone. I'm trying to think, but anyway, Bob said, Hey, let's go deep sea fishing. It was Ron Harris, Slick Johnson. There was a couple of us that went and Bob, you know, catching fish. And so, Conrad, when I tell you we got on, here we go, we got the cooler packed down full of food, those days full of beer. We're going out. Us boys are going to have a great time deep sea fishing. Conrad, I threw up for about 12 hours. Yeah. To the point, I mean, it was just brutal. Okay come off the summer of no worries. Now the next year comes around. Hey man, let's go fishing again. Why don't you do this, that, you know, coming off the WWA. So anyway, Hey, can I take my dad or or can I invite my dad, Bob? Oh, I'd love that. That, You know, anyway, because they had already had a relationship. I didn't introduce them, but they had had a relationship as well. So, okay. So it's me and my dad. We fly down to new Orleans. I get the rental car. We drive down to Venice, Louisiana is where Bob kept his boat. We get there. Um, anyhow get up the next morning load it all up and here we go again and you pull out through the channel and go down Mississippi and then boom head out to sea we got out there oh, oh let me back up i got sick of, yeah so that would have been let me back up flew that's why i'm telling the story ran in the car flew there that night i've got the mindset I'm going to have maybe one beer and go to bed. I want to be fresh as a daisy in the morning. I don't want to have, I want to get, I want to fish. I want to give this a real shot. So Bob and my dad stayed up talking and they chatted it up and had their discussion about the weekly pay-per-view concept. So next morning,
0: Bob's idea or your dad's idea.
2: I kind of think Bob, I I mean, obviously I went there, but I think Bob tabled it knowing both of them, Bob threw that out there. I, at, I would
0: at this point too, your Bob dad, says he, your dad had never run a pay-per-view show ever, right?
2: Super clash. I, I mean, I, I I'm just trying to think super clash. I don't know if you're asking me or telling me, no, <laughs> I'm
0: saying, I mean, he, he was, he had joint ventures with Vern and stuff like that, and he it, was a part it, of okay. events, but as far as I'm going to go line up my own pay-per-view show, oh. That was probably still, and I'm not saying that in a way where I'm saying, "Oh, your dad wasn't qualified." No, no, I, no, no. I, yeah, I know. What you're saying. I'm saying it was probably a. Hey, this is a box I haven't checked yet. I haven't ran. A, I haven't done pay per view
2: outside of Super Clash, correct?
0: But it's it, Super Clash again. Not trying to pile on. Not successful. Didn't do well. But no. in this era of wrestling, so your dad. I just want to add context. And we're, Lord, we're going to talk about Memphis a lot later. But your dad had dominated territorial wrestling. I mean, he figured out how to make money in a socioeconomically depressed area was one of the first millionaires in wrestling, probably. Uh, so he did really, really well mastered the art, but he did it without pay-per-view and now you hear about guys becoming not millionaires, but billionaires through pay-per-view. And so it's like, okay, this is sort of. Uncharted territory and I've, I've done so well in everything else associated with this, why wouldn't I try it? He probably was itching to just venture into the pay-per-view world because these are found dollars that he's never participated in. Right? Yeah.
2: I mean, so yeah, the pay-per-view concept as far as him taking lead promoter. No, he'd never done
0: that. Yeah. So anyway, you think it was Bob Ryder's idea. They stay up all night. The next morning you're up fresh as a daisy. They're probably a little sleepy. And now you're out here on oh, the dad
2: Loves fishing. To this day, he loves it. He just got back from Lake Ufala. But anyway, no, they're all and Bob too. Bob didn't get sea. Bob didn't get seasick. You know, and my dad, for whatever freakish, doesn't have an inner ear or whatever it may be. He never gets seasick. And up until my concussion, I never got seasick. But and at this time, to, to further, I had no idea that's what it drilled down to. I just know that when I went uh, the year prior on Bob's boat. It was super rough seas, and yeah. I sort of discounted it. Oh, I might have been hungover, or, or uh, whatever. You know, oh, the rough seas, and I didn't really connect the dots. It took me a long time to connect the dots. But anyhow, so uh, wake up, and on the way out, they talk about this. Hey, this is what we talked about, and this and that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and then they start asking me about WWA and we have that conversation. Then we get out there, and I get really sick. I mean. Again, both eyes look like I'd been in in a Mike Tyson knockout. I mean, both eyes, not just bloodshot, swollen shut. I threw up so many times on the boat. And it's the craziest thing. We head back home. And uh, here we go. And we had like a, I want to say an 8 or 9 o'clock flight, but a, a late flight. And I'm thinking, laying down on that bed, just get me a hotel room. Just get me to a hotel room. I'm so sick. And when we docked and pulled up and Conrad, have you ever been seasick?
0: Oh yeah. Twice. It's bad. Okay.
2: It, but it's, it's, it's really bizarre for folks who haven't been seasick. So I felt deathly ill and we're banging on the waves. I mean, the boats hitting those waves and we're running over guys wakes, just coming back in. Cause all the boats come back in relatively same time. I cannot wait to get back in. We put, put in cause the no wake zones and you pull there and you, I just sort of start, but I'm still so sick. And now I'm feeling my eyes and, and nothing on my stomach. And, oh, man, just close to, uh, just felt like death. And as we tie up, you sort of threw my feet on the ground in in the downstairs because I'd gone under on, on a bed and just tried to hang on. When I put my feet on the ground and the boat's just barely rocking, just, just really, and I'm like, oh, boy. And I come upstairs and they just both look at me like, oh, my God, this guy's bad car wreck. <laughs> but it, I mean, then of course my dad gives me the good nature. Oh, we had a blast. Come here look at this fish. And I'm like, get away from me. You know, they call fish, they caught yeah. fish all day. Um, and I stayed sick all day. And when you put your foot on solid ground, it's like the light switch goes on.
0: Yeah. All better.
2: It, it's just weird how that happens, but the equilibrium and all that. So up there and then they start cleaning the fish and I'm ready to go home. And then the conversation. Somewhat, Bob's talking to me and my dad's talking to me. And you know, oh, they, they were talking about hey, starting a new promotion, uh, this, this and that. And I told him the night before that again, I'm going back to my little conversation with my dad. There's something to starting a promotion. Yeah. A, there's so much talent. B, it's not a territory, it's not even the United States. There's a really a global opportunity here because wrestling translates globally.
0: Is it fair to say that without these tours with McManus that you might not have been so bullish on the idea? I mean, I know that we're about to talk about a pay-per-view that wasn't hugely successful because we are going to touch on that Vegas show, but man, it is interesting to look back in hindsight and think what if, right?
2: As I sit here today in 2021 and you look back. And, and I truly realized the grand weaver is always weaving a mosaic. We only see it one block at a time, but it's when I think about the summer of no worries and the rest and the rejuvenation and sort of a reset on my life at that point, wife and two kids, you know, quote unquote bought my dream home, just, you know, what's going to make Jeff Jarrett tick and go around where am i headed with my life do i you know do i want to get in the construction business no do i want to put in road water and sewer no i mean you know i knew those answers like where am i going to head and when i think back during that time and then andrew calling and vince russo turning it down for whatever reason and jeremy and me having our friendship and just how all the pieces of the puzzle and the mosaic continue to be put together in my life, I can, I think you were going if Andrew McMadness hadn't have invested those four or five tours, I I don't, I, I don't believe my career would have headed in the direction that it took by any stretch of the imagination.
0: So let's talk about the, uh, the actual show here, because we, we've sort of teased that we've got this big Vegas pay-per-view coming up. It does happen. The Aladdin casino in Las Vegas and well, it doesn't go awesome. Meltzer would write, which leads us to the aftermath of the WWA fiasco. Besides the quality of the non-wrestling aspects of the show, Andrew McManus came under tons of heat for a show that in various places, advertised names like Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Road Dog Buff Bagwell and Randy Savage. And then came the stories of guys not being paid. Terry Taylor and Larry Zabisco weren't paid. The reason given was that since they were late additions to the show, the checks weren't ready. Each was a thousand dollars. Although that explanation sounded dubious since Mark Madden was promised a thousand dollars and had a three hundred dollar check written out, what but was able to get it changed. They were told their checks would be mailed. Others, like Lenny and Lodi, were real hot at the show. What do you remember about this falling apart financially, false advertising guys? And there's even a rumor that Ray Mysterio was supposed to debut at this show, but doesn't?
2: This is the proverbial, uh, you know, I'm the delusional optimist and we're going to make it work. And the Australian run and the UK run and the vision and the ongoing conversations that me, you know, there's a time change, obviously. In that December time frame, where Andrew was at home, but but anyway, up until this night, I had extreme optimism that there was a future, and I'm not saying it was you know we're going to be uh, you know uh, Vince competition not, not not in those words, but you know that th- it was going to be up and blowing and going. But what happened that night from the theater seating? The Aladdin, the infrastructure, the, the, just the ins and outs of what are you talking about? Randy? I told you Randy Savage is not what hall Nash. Wait, what are you talking about? And the Ray talk, I've, I've thought about that through the years too, that obviously I was a huge Ray fan. And I specifically remember that in the conversation with Manus and I said, if you can get Ray, I'm telling you, he's a game changer. He, you know, I'd work with Ray in WCW, um, just a unique talent because he is an attraction. Yes. His in-ring work uh, goes without saying in those days, cruiserweight nowadays, you can call it X division or whatever it is, his high flying style. But Ray is an attraction has always been so unique. Anyway, I was very, (laughs) I could not wait if we'd get the chance. And then that never panned out. Uh, But, but coming in and all those different names and I'm just thinking to myself, Oh my God. God, who am I working with? How's this going to go down? And then I didn't know about the day of. I found out, obviously, after it. And hearing that recap, uh, I just lived some bad memories. But I wasn't aware of it day of about paychecks. And again, Andrew was the money guy, always. I I didn't have certainly any of that authority to even discuss it, but also didn't want it because, look, I have son of a promoter and grandson of a a promoter. I, I, I know all the good, the bad, the ugly that come with that, but I had no idea but the infrastructure of running a pay-per-view in that scenario, and we're on that stage in the go position, it, it, it was a mess, Conrad. I mean, it was such a mess.
0: Um, let's, let's talk about the actual main event, but before we do, here's a little context. From the observer, the main event of Jeff Jarrett versus Brian Christopher wasn't finalized until a few hours before match time, the promotion wanted to do Jarrett versus Steiner, but neither was willing to do the job for the other Jarrett did the show, but has been mad at McManus since McManus told Jarrett he was his right-hand man. But then after recruiting Savage, no longer catered to Jarrett when Savage screwed him, he tried to go back with Jarrett, but Jarrett was still upset about how things went down. And there was even some question until about a week before the show as to whether or not Jeff would appear. Christopher had gotten a legal letter from the WWF and who didn't see that coming, threatening the promotion. If they billed him as grandmaster sex, a lot to unpack here. I don't question the cease and desist that Christopher got. Is this true? You refuse to uh, do a job for your old pal, Scott Steiner.
2: So. Yes, uh, that is, uh, and 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 he was definitely refusing to do one to me. There, there was a definite stalemate because I'm going back to Andrew. We went through this savage deal, and and look, I'll give you a bogey, uh, a mulligan on that. I kind of told you that wasn't going to pan out, but but whatever. But going through this, I'm telling you, get you a crew and stick with it. And I, you know, if, if you honestly believe Steiner is going to be with you. Great, I don't buy it. And so at this point, Andrew, we've really got some decisions to make. Am I on the team or off the team? And and that was a, a very succinct conversation. Oh, we'll worry about it after Vegas. Well, Andrew, that didn't really how this industry works. <laughs> you want to worry about it after Vegas? And I get that as a promoter. He had so many headaches. He had so many balls in the air. It became overwhelming. He got in in over his head from a political point of view. He learned his quick lesson with Savage. He learned his quick lessons with other talent. I think he really thought more than anybody he was going to have Mysterio. Again, he was on-the-job training, if you will, dealing with talent. And we, we were coming to this fork in the road. And, Andrew, I've sort of told you this from day one. Get your touring all-stars together and go with them. That's the only one. Because winners and losers, again, growing up in the promotion – you know you show up to work, half your locker room is not happy in essence you hey, look it's 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 evolved over time certainly uh you know certainly evolved over the thirty five years but in essence thirty uh, you know a half of your locker room doesn't get their hand raised and and would probably prefer to get their hand raised not that they're not gonna do it, not that they're refusing to do it, but they would prefer to further their career so now here we are nine, 10, 11 months after the close of WCW. And it's the wild, wild west of the independent scene, if you will. So doing jobs and favors and business and all that, the the roads were beginning to, okay, what is the next step? And I go back to what I told Andrew prior to the Savage. You know, that whole deal is who's on the team and who's off. And when he said, oh, we need to put Steiner over. And I'm sure Scott and Scott's so diplomatic way. (laughs) <laughs> told Andrew I ain't getting beat. I don't care who's in the ring with. Yeah. Okay. You <laughs> you you're, you're going to wrestle Jeff. Jeff will put you over and they probably came to me and went. Uh and I'm like, nope, that ain't going to work."
0: <laughs> Here's the match uh from the observer. Jeff Jarrett pinned Brian Christopher to retain the title in 13-17. Crowd wasn't hot for this, but they were reasonably into it with Jarrett having some WCW main event credibility and Christopher having the charisma coming off WWF TV. Christopher's pants fell down while he was dancing. They traded some sleepers. They had a ref bump, which at least they hadn't done up to this point. Christopher did a leg drop off the top, but there's no referee. They sent Mark Johnson out to play the face referee. And he went for the count out, but the other ref pulled him off. Then the refs started fighting each other. That comedy is exactly what wasn't needed to get the title over. Although these two at a title match that wasn't happening anyway. Jarrett hit Christopher with a guitar shot while the referee's fault. And the first ref went to count, but Johnson pulled him off. Jarrett ends up getting the pin after a low blow and the stroke on the title belt star and a half was, was Brian not ready to be in the main event? Or was this just, Hey, we got to get a show in the, in the ring. And you know, the Steiner thing fell apart. I guess we should mention, you know, Steiner was there that night. Your undercard is Nova beating and check this talent out. Low-key, Shark Boy, AJ Styles, Tony Mamaluke, Christopher Daniels. Hmm. The next match is the uh the funkster and Reno, and then Chronic over Native Blood, Puppet the Midget Killer, that's a thing, uh, defeated Teo. Eddie Guerrero beats Psychosis and to Guerrera. Devin Storm beats Sabu. Rick Steiner and the Cat beat the West Hollywood Blondes, and Jeff Jarrett beats Brian Christopher. So you've got quite a cast of characters here and you rattle off some of those names like low and shark boy and AJ styles and Christopher Daniels. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, Christopher main event. Was it just, was he in the right wrong place? You think?
2: Well, we were playing the hand we were dealt and me and Brian go back, you know, since kids, Yeah, but we'd wrestle each other. Jesus hundreds of times in Memphis. Um, and I don't remember the exact particulars, but I knew I could go out and have a match with him and Brian never cared when he never cared about winning or losing. And I I can't say that he was all in on being a world wrestling all-star, but at that late stage of, and I'm I'm still saying all the talent, not just savage, but all the uncertainty it's like, and I could, the, the thing that, that I most remember about this match was Terry Taylor going, Jeff, you made the time by like five seconds, like seven seconds. We literally almost ran out of pay-per-view time. The lack of communication and the ref bumps, I'm sure, played a factor. Maybe they didn't. But we just, the the whole, is a mess. The whole, and the, you know, going out that late in the show, in a theater seating, whatever kind of reaction we got, we were probably lucky to have anyway, it was a, it was a, uh, it was not a good, uh, it wasn't a red letter day, uh, to, 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 uh, step in the ring really for any of us. Uh, it is what it is, but, um, or it was what it was, but, uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm certain I was happy that the match just took place.
0: We're not done with, with pay-per-views for WWA. They would run another show April 14th in O two. The main event of that one would be Scott Steiner beating Nathan Jones. You're not on that show. Uh, and then the main event of the, uh, December 2 pay two pay-per-view is Lex Luger and sting you're on that show. But by this point, the NWA is, uh, working with total nonstop action. So you're here wrestling Nathan Jones for the NWA world title. And the very last WWA show was in 2003. And it's Jeff Jarrett, the NWA world heavyweight champion taking on the WWA world heavyweight champion sting, but there is a bit of a hiatus. Is this the end of you and McManus for a while after this Vegas show?
2: We started TNA. If, if, if I recall, that was the, um, let's figure out how to do this. Let, let's uh, take the bull by the horns and head down that road.
0: So he starts running his next, he runs his next pay-per-view in April. Uh, but you're of course going to get things kicked off in June. And we're going to talk about that soon. Uh, I do want to ask because I know that you sort of put things back together with McManus after the Vegas show, are you guys on speaking terms? Do you say, Hey, you know what? I think I had enough. I'm going to try it my own way. Or is he saying, geez, I don't know if I want to do this again. It was such a disaster. We know he does wind up running though, but that's two months later, but you're not on the show. So what's the falling out or the fallout maybe is a better word.
2: There wasn't any like. Fu, you, fu! You, none of that. It was Andrew. I, I'm trying. I, 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 I was hoping maybe you would hear me out a little more. But hey, um, I still think your theory and your vision can work. But it is not the music business. You are not hiring Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and who? You know, you're you're not ha- hiring an act that go play their hits you're dealing with, with talent. And, 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 I go back to, you've never done this before. And, and unless you've lived in this environment, you're going to have some hard lessons to learn. And he's like, yeah, I'm learning that. But I mean, he was very cordial. I don't want to say friendly, but it, it was cordial and he paid me and, and it, you know, it was what it was. But by that time I knew I wanted to chart my own course or at least give it a shot. And, um, what was the date of this pay-per-view February? Yeah. April's when I had my meeting with Richard Scruci. So, so when you start, you know, thinking about the timelines of less than eight eight weeks later, I was going down with the business plan.
0: Uh, are, are you still friendly and speak to McManus these days?
2: Yeah, we we've actually had now here's a little tidbit. He, he had a home here for years that I really was, I'd fallen out of contact with him, but he kept home and uh, Jeremy Borash had stayed in contact with him. So, but yes, me and Andrew have had conversations. I called him a couple of years ago on a, on a random connection to a music industry and I was calling to pick him brain. So yes, I, I've, i you know, we don't talk daily or weekly or monthly or, you know, but yes, still a, a good relationship. The New Zealand, uh, pay-per-view with Sting and, and, and being a part of that, I know that was a, a uh, that was a fantastic personal experience, but that that was something that i think was his swan song
0: yeah uh, that was his that, last one
2: yeah so that that was a uh, uh you know by that point now we're we're talking two years into his his wrestling run um but again he he was dealing in much bigger numbers, but like a lot of folks understanding the wrestling industry and understanding another industry. They're just not the exact same. And there's a learning curve, but, um, look, it, it didn't work out for him. But to this day, I've got a lot of respect for the guy, a whole lot.
0: I do think it's worth mentioning that McManus made the news back in 2015, where there was apparently a misunderstanding about 300 kilos of cocaine from Mexico. And a few years prior to that, there was a mishap with a suitcase of $702,000 in cash. In a uh, Hilton hotel, of course, any uh, affiliation discussed in the media of him being a part of a drug syndicate is probably just rumor and innuendo. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's unplausible to think that you might have a briefcase full of cash. Maybe he just demanded his payoff from the box office in cash from the gun arena. Right. I mean, there's a lot of ways this could happen where you have that much cash in person,
2: whatever happened out of that,
0: it went away. He beat it. I'm not kidding. Wow. So yeah, 300 keys of cocaine. No problem. $702,000 in cash in a suitcase in a hotel. No problem. McManus is the real Teflon Don of wrestling. And, uh, you know what? You've got something in your man cave right around the corner in the windowsill above your couch. Why don't you show that to everybody? Can you grab that <laughs> right fast?
2: Yeah. I jump up for real, real quick.
0: Seriously. <laughs> Go get it. Show them.
2: <laughs> i got to go up and get it.
0: Well, dog's right out there. There is a memento that we have to share some other time. There you go. From all of this tour, that when I saw it, I did a double take and thought, is that what I think it is? There you go. And there it is. And we're going to talk about it soon. This was fun talking about World Wrestling All Stars, sort of the precursor. I know it feels like uh, we went a roundabout way to talk about how TNA came to be, but. I, I think, I mean, you've told me multiple times, if it weren't for world wrestling, all-stars, the successes and the failures TNA probably wouldn't have happened the way it did. Right
2: No, And you know, I'm, I'm not currently reading this book about stillness, but, but just being still, and I'm not saying physically still, but you know, when you're traveling on the road and you know, again, the summer of no worries, and then you get on a plane and fly to Australia, um, you know, that's And, and if you look at the timeline. 911, okay. Yeah. I flew next month. Yeah. So so, so but but um and, and you know to back up the week before 911, this is another little, excuse me, little precursor. Um, I was in uh not in the Twin Towers, right across the street with my dad and Randy Savage, uh talking to some investment bankers. That's another piece of this puzzle of a startup wrestling company. Did you know that story? No,
0: Brad? no, yes.
2: So, so that summer of no worries and having time to go out on a jet ski and, and drive literally, uh, Conrad, I can get on a jet ski here and drive an hour upstream and pull, up, pull over and fill the gas tank up and drive an hour back. And I did that multiple times just cruising on a Tuesday when nobody's out. Everybody's out working. Uh, the, so, so those kind of moments of reflecting and thinking on next steps, that trip to New York that me and my dad took and met with Savage uh, literally across the street from 9-11. And that happened, you know, a couple of days later, um, going to Australia on a 16 hour plane ride, being in bus rides, uh, flying back home, going to the UK again, bus rides. So being in the wrestling space with talent and thinking and 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 again, watching, that's sort of a, a pillar uh, of my upbringing into this day, if I can get into an arena, uh, and, and when I watch wrestling, Conrad, I, I don't only watch, I watch how people responding on the front row and second row and third row and behind the announcers, just seeing how people respond and being in those arenas and hearing that live color commentary from Lawler and JP and seeing, okay, here comes, you know, I was raised on, why are you doing a guitar on the pool But there's zero storyline to this. Okay, you're right. And cage matches are, are, are made to keep people in and out. It's got to be storyline-driven. And guitar on the pole, got to be storyline-driven. And all this kind of stuff. Well, that's true. But also, to flip it, you, you can also go to a non-storyline-driven wrestling fan who just wants to come out. There's a lot of folks in Nashville that say, I just want to go listen to some good live music. That's it with wrestling. Let's go watch it. And so if you you know first matches some high flyers and second matches a guitar on the pole and third matches this match you know given that variety, it all sort of works in so I the answer to your question is for me to have the ability to sit down and ride and think what are next steps the thing that crystallized in my brain more than anything and maybe we should end on this but this is sort of the the the, the flag in the ground. I realized in those days Vince is no longer number one. He's just not because without a number two, there's no such thing as one. It's just wrestling on TV. And that, that is something that I I, I really went, wow, there's a real opportunity here. Got to be smart about it. It ain't going to be easy, but there's an opportunity.
0: And there's an opportunity for you to hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review. If you think we've earned it. And, uh, by all means, follow us on Twitter at my world podcast. We're having a lot of fun and we're doing lots of fun giveaways. Uh, you also want to make sure you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfree shows.com, including a fun watch along of Jeff's first ever match wrestling, Tony Falk next week. We're going to continue down our journey of how in the world TNA became a thing. Next week's episode is titled let's start a wrestling promotion. We're going to do a deep dive on how it all came together. Including lots of talk about Richard Scrusci. We've got something really special coming up the two weeks after that, but it's all TNA centric as we march towards the debut show of Total Nonstop Action. The good, the bad, and the ugly, Jeff. This has been fun. I appreciate you talking about World Wrestling All Stars in such deep detail. I don't think that promotion has ever been covered with this much detail before today.
2: That's why you're the pod father. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a complete 180 from last week. In so many ways, and this is something that on the journey of my world that I can candidly say, I envisioned these kind of conversations to, to, to peel the onion back and talked about WWA or Memphis or whatever it is, Puerto Rico. I can't wait to dive in the Puerto Rico stories, but this is what I envisioned, Conrad. And and I hope you, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Does that make sense? That this is what I envisioned?
0: Oh, it this, makes like, a lot of I, sense.
2: Yeah. This is what I envision. A lot of fun.
0: I think we need to have uh, Silva take some shots of that, uh, world wrestling all-stars memorabilia, if you will, uh, <laughs> because I feel like everybody is going to be a little more interested in that. Now that we've told the story, it's going to be coming soon to adfreeshows.com. dot Tell a friend until next time he is at real Jeff Jarrett. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad, and we'll see you next week. Right here on my world. <laughs> What would your family do with an extra $108,000? That's a problem that our listener Jacob out in Colorado has now thanks to SaveWithConrad.com. He recently saved money with us over at SaveWithConrad.com, gave us a five-star review, and wrote this. Our previous mortgage company made each step of the process difficult, but Jimmy took it in stride and made it happen. He was able to lock us in at 1.5% less than we were at, and saved us $108,000 over the life of the loan. Guys, that's unbelievable. Jacob saved more than $108,000. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. And lesson number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh, by the way, did we mention no house payments for two months? And we're licensed in more than 40 states, so what are you waiting for? Start saving money today at SaveWithConrad.com.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game, every day.